Drama City Productions presents Immersion Rig Now Online Welcome Nerd Now Generating Episode 53 Loading Year in Review Featuring Comics Wrestling Video Games Horror Movies and more Full immersion begins in 3 2 1 Hey this is Christian Hey this is Damon This is the Amazing Nerd Show Alright, well, we're about two weeks late, but 2018 ended. It's a fucking new year. Yeah, fuck it, right? (laughs) (laughs) We can do things when we want. That's right. Well, last episode was us kind of catching up with the end of the year shit. Um, This episode is going to be our year in review. But before that, I just wanted to ask Damon a quick question. Alright. So, me, some friends, we're going to go to a cabin in the fucking woods. Okay, that's a bad idea. Yes. Uh, for someone's fucking birthday party. You're totally gonna die. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm asking your advice. As a, as a slasher... <laughs> as a slasher Do you see fan, all the posters on yes, the wall? Yes, <laughs> I know. What would be the best? Because me and my girlfriend, of course, are the only African-Americans in the group. Oh, yeah, you're dying first. Yeah, exactly. So how do I avoid that? What's what's your... Definitely what's your not going. Just Definitely don't be the two that no sneak drinking, off. No drinking. No mm-hmm. drinking. Stay together. Stay with the group. Um, yeah, man. I, you're, I mean, you're gonna die regardless, but, you know, good luck. <laughs> There's always the chance I'm the one that makes it out. You're not the final girl, Christian. <laughs> There's no scenario where you're the final girl in this situation, okay? <laughs> Alright, Damon. We gotta crack through the year. Uh, right. We gotta crack through the year? The crack. crack. Oh, okay. Crack. I was like, it's a pretty good year, man. I don't think yeah, man. Um... There yeah, are some things had, to mention, but... We've had quite a good year, um, mm. entertainment-wise and wrestling-wise. So, we are going to go ahead and give you our favorite moments of the year um, through all of entertainment. Yes. So, uh, first up, we have video games. Yes, that means it's Christian's quarter. Yes, I will not be saying <laughs> a damn thing during this whole segment. Go ahead. Now, my list is pretty, pretty typical. Um... But I had to, you know, I really put some thought into it, into what I personally feel. Okay, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> is this a top three? Yes, this is a top three. Okay. One of our few small lists in this entire show. Uh, so my number three is going to be Red Dead Redemption. Now, I haven't completed the game, but mm-hmm. it's a fucking monster of a game to complete. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it's fair enough for me to say, especially the quality of the game the amount of story work that I've even seen so far in the game, it's absolutely beautiful, and it's Rockstar at its finest. So I'm happy to say that it's number. that's why it's going to be number three rather than number one. For a lot of people, you know, it's their number one game of the year because of all the things I just said, but I haven't seen it through to the end. So maybe maybe end of 2019, uh, <laughs> we'll see. That's, You've that's, had a lot of games come out, though. I've had nice. a lot of games come out, so it's just, you know. It is what uh, it is. My number two is going to be God of War. All right. Um, God of War has a perfect story and everything, but I just felt like there's just a little bit missing to put it over the edge. 
Okay, but I mean, it's it enough to be your number two. I mean, yeah. it's still pretty damn good showing, right? Because mm-hmm. you well, played a lot of video games. So. <laughs> yes. And then if I said Red Dead's number three and I said God of War is number two, everyone listening knows it's going to be Spider-Man for number one. All right. Uh, it's just such a fun, easygoing game. The story is beautiful, well done. Um, takes a darker twist than you would expect from a you know teen Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely takes the source material seriously while also kind of creating its own Peter in this universe. Some universe, it sounds like, yeah. And so, we actually saw that Spider-Man exactly. in the books, which was kind of crazy. So, um, in the whole Spider-Verse run yes. that they did recently. Uh, even in um, Into the Spider-Verse, the uh, fucking movie, they have the suit in one of the areas. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice little touch and mm. wonderful marketing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm keeping it simple. Those are my top three. Um, definitely, if you haven't played Spider-Man... Go fucking pick up a PS4 and play the game. Right now, it Honestly. sounds like everyone's played Spider-Man except for me. So. <laughs> Damon, if you had a console, I'll let you borrow it, but you don't. Yeah, so. I, have a, I have an Xbox 360. Chris. Yeah, that's not going to help. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like Soul Calibur 3. That's about it. It's right a now. good game. It is a damn good game. <laughs> I agree. Um, okay, so next up is my top three TV series. Now, because Christian can't fucking ever complete a series i'm letting damon take over this okay so this is my top three and it was actually hard for me Mm -hmm. so that's why it's only three um usually i i could go like five deep or maybe even ten deep but it was a long year and there was a lot of other shit coming out so i kind of laxed on my tv there's Mm -hmm. still i have a queue filled with crap me too still so, um, so number three is Daredevil season three. Um, I thought this was a great bounce back arc and um, season for Daredevil. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I didn't hate the second season, but this was more of the Daredevil that I know and love. Mm. Um, you know, it was all about redemption. It was all about you know Matt trying to find himself again, um, finding his family again. And God damn it, they got Bullseye right. I really enjoyed everything they did with Bullseye. And it, even though they showed more origin than I'm used to seeing with Bullseye, I enjoyed everything they did and how they built that character into this true psychopath that we all know and love. Yes. So, um, you know, and they made him a legitimate threat. Um, Daredevil never, never got the best of him throughout the entire series and everything. Also, Kingpin, once again, steals the fucking show. Yes. Um, is just one of the best Marvel villains out there. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio puts on just an epic performance. Um, you know, so much range, so much, you know, um, just passion put into this character. You can tell on every moment Mm. that he's really just pouring his all into the character. Um, he just really carries the show on his giant shoulders. Yes, he really is. Um, you know, he's never just that one-dimensional cackling villain, you know, that a lot of, like, comic books, you know, get kind of stereotyped Mm. with. Um, you know, he is a fully formed character, you know, who really is just, you know, doing things, um, you know, for, you know, all the wrong reasons, but they make sense in a strange way. Mm. (laughs) So, um... You know, this 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 whole season was really a love story between yes. him and Vanessa. So I really, you know, just dug what they did with the character. And 
this is obviously bittersweet since we probably won't see this version of Daredevil again. But, you know, it's in a strange way, I felt like they did kind of wrap things up and it was a, a nice way to kind of get closure with a lot of these mm. characters. You know, obviously I would love to see more, but where they end up makes sense if it is the last we see of, you know, these, you know, Hell Kitchen Warriors. So, um, next up I have um, Luke Cage. Um, I can't sell this show enough <laughs> to people. Um, and this is another bittersweet yes. entry because it's <laughs> also been fucking canceled. But these performances are just insane in this show. Um, you know, from what we get from, you know, Mike Coulter, um, but I mean, Elfrey Woodard, who plays Mariah, another great Marvel villain um, that I didn't even really know about, mm. you know, being a long time Marvel fan. But, um, you know, they really, you know, just the production value, the storyline kept you guessing the entire time. Every character had an arc that you cared about, which is hard to do in a series mm. like this. Um, I gave a shit about Shades. I fucking hated Shades <laughs> that first <laughs> season. You know, but this actually made me care about Shades. Um, this was really like the Godfather 2 of like Marvel Netflix shows, <laughs> which is insane to say. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that we're not going to get closure probably with Luke, with how he ended up, spoilers, he ends up being kind of the kingpin of Harlem at the end of this, um, is just heartbreaking. Yes. So um, I'm hoping that they find a way to kind of end that story. I mean, maybe they do it on page, maybe they put out a book, a comic book, and let the showrunner kind of, you know, show us where, you know, he was planning on going. Uh, this has to be my number two pick uh, for the year. And my number one pick is The Haunting of Hill House. Heard nothing but good things, but I haven't seen a lick of it. So, first off, I just finished this. I, like, basically binged this um, last week. Um, you know, I went just... Like, and I thought, okay, I'll pick this up. I wasn't planning on talking about it because I didn't think I'd actually finish. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a good, I think there's 12, 12 episodes of this. So it's a, a substantial, you know, season. But I couldn't stop watching. Like, I was excited to, like, you know, put my daughter to bed every night so I could come downstairs <laughs> and watch another couple uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. And there were some nights where I stayed up a little too late watching maybe three or four episodes. So, and this shit is fucking nightmare-inducing, you know, shit here. This is all the, you know, classic haunted house, like, tropes that you've seen in so many movies, but done so well. Um, really, it just, I mean... It, it's what I would love, you know, what a two-hour movie couldn't do, you know. You get to know all the individual mm. characters. Um, you get to care about all the individual characters. You know, the first four or five episodes is like, you know, really like, you know, you're following one character and seeing their story and how these events that took place in this house when they're children are affecting them. Um, but the scares are real scares. They're not just fucking flashy jump scares. You know, there's real tension, real suspense built. Um, man, I loved everything about this show. Um, Mike Flanagan um, was the creator of this show. Um, you know, he did Oculus. Um, he did uh, the sequel to Ouija Board, mm -hmm. uh, Ouija um, Origin of Evil, which was actually fantastic. Yes. 
Um, and he is going to be directing Dr. Sleep. So, you know, which feels like the perfect fit. Mm -hmm. So, um, just, I cannot rave about this show enough. If you're a horror movie fan, watch this show and just enjoy yourself. I'll definitely be checking that out as soon as I can. Um, next we're going to go on to best in comics. Big category for us. (laughs) (laughs) We did keep it to, uh, top five. Yes. So it could have easily been uh, top ten. It was a great year for comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I will let you go first, my friend. All right. Um, starting off, my list was Doomsday Clock for what we got of this year. Now, it's only about half the series, but yes, yes. It, even of that, we probably got like four, four, five, <laughs> four or five issues. issues. Yeah. But the writing has been so fucking phenomenal mm-hmm. that each time I pick up this issue, it's like, oh, well, who cares about rates? You know, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and we're getting another delay. Yeah. Three week <laughs> delay announced uh, like yesterday. Ouch. I was like, how is this book not in the can already? Like, how is this not done? You know, it's only 12 know. issues, but whatever. The next issue after that is mostly on time. Yeah. So I don't, I don't whatever. Know. It is what uh, it is, man. I, it's been a damn good series. I yes. Uh, after that, I have Batman. Uh, just everything that I, I spent most of this year trying to catch up to everyone else. Mm. And when I did, I was just blown away. Uh, Tom, you're going to see a theme. Tom King has just dominated my life this year, and I can't be more thankful of what he has written, especially just with Batman alone. Uh, just so well written. Uh, this, the stories, the way the way he plays with not it's not you know just following Detective Batman and you know, going into the depths of like how he tackles these things. It's going into him as a person, mm-hmm. and I, that's what I've been wanting out of writing in a, for a while is more of a person's story. Mm-hmm. Personal, like, make human humanizing these heroes, getting kind of into more. like the psychosis, yes, of, like what makes Batman tick, yeah. Uh, next again, Tom King, Heroes in Crisis. Uh, <laughs> I have enjoyed every issue that has come out so far. Uh, it's again, it's human fucking stories with superheroes, and I'm absolutely loving it. And it's something that we've never seen before, exactly. You know, heroes really dealing with the repercussions of you know. PSTDs, you know, mm. like, I mean, it's, it really is amazing. It's something that you don't think about. These characters are, you know, basically at war at all times. So it feels real. It feels, you know, something that, you know, that these characters would need, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of therapy. They would be fucked up individuals walking around, you know, and they're all ticking time bombs with their power sets and everything. So it's a great angle to be coming from. It yes. only makes sense. And I'm surprised it's a story that we haven't seen before. Because it just, like <laughs> I said, it makes so much fucking sense. But, I mean, he's doing a great job with that book. Um, another writer I fell in love with this year was Soul and what he did with Vader. Uh, so that's my number two. Even So even with the last issue... Even with the last issue, I love the work that was put into everything. Even if it's a wild and crazy assumption to put <laughs> <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine as the father, but uh-huh. we'll see. We'll see yes. how that sticks. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it was only kind of like hinted at. Mm. It wasn't, you know, he didn't like say, "I'm your father." Yes. You know, so it, there's ways around it. Hmm. It was alluded to, if you will. <laughs> Uh, last but not least, and you probably already know it, it's Mr. Miracle. Yes. A strong Tom King theme. Is that, that's, that's three, three books. books. Three books out of your five. Yes. God damn. <laughs> hey man, I don't blame you at all. No, uh, Mr. Miracle has been phenomenal since issue one, and it's been just such a different comic book experience compared to anything else I've been reading 
over my entire life. You know, I used to like pick up just single issues and watch superheroes fight. Now I'm like learning about who they are as a human being and what they might, <laughs> what makes them all tick. You know. Yeah, and it wasn't about the action. No, it was kind of about those like those like quiet moments. Mm-hmm. You know, between him and Big Barda, and you know. Him, you know, watching him with his child, and those were the moments that resonated the most mm. in this series. So, I but agree. even that, once they finally reached that point of action, it made it matter so much more. I agree. I agree. Like that was like such a heart wrenching fight between him and Darkseid. Yes. So it's getting to know your characters. Yes. Crazy, crazy <laughs> storytelling. What a thought. Um, but I want to hear Damon's comics well, of this. That year. is one hell of a list. All right, so here's my top five list. Um, this was very difficult to do. So, um, number five, Infinity Countdown, Darkhawk. Yes. This was just a fun book. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed everything about this book. It was really, for me, it was a rebirth of a character that I loved in the 90s. I mean, he's been around since then. Um, you know, I'm disappointed that we haven't had the announcement like of an ongoing Dark mm-hmm. Hawk series. I'm hoping we get there. I thought this was like the perfect setup for kind of like the status quo of what could be a fantastic series. Um, and hopefully Marvel, you know, changes their mind and we get that soon. But this was just, you know, everything that I loved about the character and more so. I thought they did a great job of, you know, kind of like giving everyone like new fans like you know this is the legacy of the character and really you know making it fun and making it you know just a great action adventure series it's what i love about comic books um you know um lighthearted mm-hmm. but entertaining you know at the same time no i so, didn't know jack shit about this character and mm-hmm. i mean he was like well give me a book give yes me a... yes i want more <laughs> uh, give me more marvel so um, next up is the Avengers, and I'm actually talking about both series of the Avengers. Um, what we got, we start off the year with No Surrender. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great storyline for what they did. The weekly book, they, I think it was 12 fucking mm-hmm. issues. Um, that kept me wanting more every week. Um, I thought that was a great story arc, too, for characters that you don't typically think of as Avengers for the most part. It was a great kind of conclusion for all their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a ragtag team and everything like that. They really told the story of what makes an Avenger an Avenger um, and why they do what they do. Um, and then I've just loved Aaron's run on the Avengers. It's fucking, you know, once again, it's lighthearted. It's this, you know, um, I feel like it's very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, just this action adventure romp. But, it, but every book feels epic. You know, and that's what I want from, like, a team-up book like The Avengers. Yeah, you know? exactly. I want an epic, you know, story. Um, uh, threats have to be big enough for these Avengers to be taking on. Um, it was, I, I love the inclusion of Ghost Rider. Um, I haven't mined the BC Avengers stuff um, so far, except for, like, one or two, you know, one-shot issues that they've done. Ghost Rider was kind of bad. But, yes. <laughs> But that being said, I mean, the rest of this series mm. has been fun. And I love what they're doing with, like, Thor and She-Hulk. It's just been a fun series, you know. And, if you know, with the year that Marvel had, um, the year prior, um, it's really just a breath of fresh air. So with everything that happened with Secret Empire and everything mm. like that, not to go down that road. <laughs> um, so this was just, you know, the Avengers back to form and mm. everything. And even, like, and I loved Hickman's run. But Hickman's run was so dark and so heavy 
it's nice to kind of go back to where we're at now mm. you know with the team and everything so um, my number three book is The Punisher um, what Rosenberg's done with the character and everything this is Frank Castle done yes. right. this is what I love about Frank even Castle. outside of a uh, Marvel Max series this is exactly what you would want yes and I feel like it's really towing the line mm. when it comes to like it's rating as a book because you're getting all the violence that you could possibly want um it, it's done with a good story. It, I feel like it's reinvigorated the character of Frank Castle by giving him a new mission, which is take out Hydra. Um, it's just a great revenge story. Yes. You know? So, and I've loved every one of the beats. It's kept me guessing everything. Um, it's had great cameos in it. It's just been just a fun Punisher book, um, you know, in the most sick, twisted way possible. So... Um, and this is another book, once again, where I feel like the art is so, like, cinematic, um, you know, and it's really, you know, it's art that I wouldn't typically, like, you know, be attracted to, but, I mean, just the way that they set up the panels mm -hmm. and, you know, what they're showing you um, just keeps you wanting more, um, you know, I just, uh, the way, even, like, the lighting and the shadows that they use in this book is just so well done. Um, it's really next level shit. So I feel like this is going to be a classic run, you know, um, that people are going to really just, you know, talk about for years to come when it comes to Frank and everything. Um, so um, my number two is Doomsday Clock. Um, I've loved everything that Jeff Johnson's done with this book. You know, I really have. Um, I was terrified. Yes. You know, over <laughs> this idea of a sequel to The Watchmen and everything. I think it took like three issues before I started to get anywhere near comfortable with the concept yeah no I, I you know i was impressed but yes i was definitely hesitant um you know up that last issue um you know with the press conference yes. and superman man what a great fucking issue that's literally the most like my most favorite thing anything i've seen with superman in it yeah in years yes and it's such a you know thought-provoking concept it's complete opposite of the first three books i picked mm -hmm. up at list where you know you've got this idea of these government this government really like basically you know harvesting these superheroes and you know that it really turns the whole dc universe mm -hmm. inside out um you know and it it's it's very much a you know dc prime book um you know, even more so than like a Watchmen book, you know, what it's going to mean for that universe, mm. um, you know, and we'll see how everything ties together because I still have no clue where we're going with the storyline. And that's what's great about it. It keeps you fucking mm. guessing. Well, the they're saying that the next issue is supposed to be a lot of big clues to what was going on. Well, they only have Manhattan's so there. many issues left. Yeah. So, because it's 12 issues, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we're on what? Nine's nine? next. Jesus Christ, man. But I, I loved everything that they've done with the um um the mime and the marionette have been two of my favorite characters mm -hmm. that they've, you know, introduced. And, you know, with it sounds like a horrible idea on paper, you know, having a new character character take over the mantle of uh, Rorschach. Um, but it's worked. It yes. really has, you know. And I love all the interactions, like, between these characters and, like, you know, our DC, you know, heroes. You know, um, you know, Lex and, you know, Superman and Batman and everything like that. Um, 
they haven't stolen the show, you know, from these Watchmen characters, mm-hmm. you know, because that was another fear, like they would get overshadowed, um, you know, by the DC characters. So um, I, I don't know, man. It, it's it's been a great series. So um, last but not least, of course, is Miss Miracle. Um, for everything that you <laughs> mentioned, you know, um, it. It really has been my favorite book, mm-hmm. not just of the year, but like of the last like decade, honestly. Um, you know, it's what comics could be, you know, when done right. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe it's high art. I believe it's something that, you know, belongs in, you know, every comic book fan's, you know, bookshelf. Um, you know, I think it's a storyline that will be talked about for years to come. I mean, like before this, I would have said, you know, you know, Watchmen is the book that everyone needs to be, you know, owning. And well, writing. I still agree with that. Yes, but but this right. belongs saying, next yeah, to exactly. it. Absolutely, I, I I do agree with that. And I don't know if it's just like right time for me, like as a father and everything <laughs> like that, where it just really clicked with mm-hmm. me and resonated with me. Um, just, and it, just so well done and such a mind fuck, and you don't know what the hell's going on, but you're entertained the entire time, and it really takes a lot of comic book tropes and just, you know, really puts it on its ear and just, you know, it keeps you guessing the entire mm-hmm. time up to the last issue, up to the final panel. Like, you still don't necessarily yes. know what's going on, but it's all open up to like free interpretation, which I love, you know, and that's what art should be. Mm-hmm. So, um, just a great book, and God bless Tom King. so moving on we've got our top comic book moments of the year yes so top five christian uh my number five is going to be the best man story arc which is joker and catwoman's fight to the death pretty much over the batman all right um joker pretty much uh is upset with this whole concept of batman getting married uh, thinks happiness will, of course, ruin everything. Uh-huh. He's uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he is right. And that's that's a, that's the point. You know, um, Catwoman <clears throat> is faced with this concept of, is this going to change him? You know, what's going to happen? Can Batman be happy? That's a big part of this whole storyline. The answer is no. Batman cannot be happy. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants a happy Batman. Well, there has been a happy Batman. Yeah. And it did turn out well for him for a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> Until what happened? Until, you know, a Joker showed up. Uh-huh. There's things written in these Batman issues this year and before this year when I first started reading it uh, you know, that I'm going to hold on to for probably the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know... There was used to be like a speech that Batman did about Omerta and like, um, like you know, getting things done on your own. But whatever was in I Am Suicide is like probably something I'm going to hold onto forever. Okay, just like that little bit of like how Batman handled his parents' death. But that's unfortunately was in 2017, so it's not going to be my moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I literally have the panel with Joker and Catwoman fighting as my phone back. Like my, the, I'm looking at it right now. He does. Have, Ladies so. and gentlemen, <laughs> he is a true nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number four is a discussion about furniture while they're just fighting everyone in Mr. Miracle. There's Mr. <laughs> Miracle versus Barda. I actually was just... I, That's when they're storming the castle? Yeah, they're just storming the castle. Um, not giving us shit about anyone that is around them they're just fighting everyone going up against all these death traps and they're just 
you know, strolling through, talking about how they want to change the furniture in that. Having the conversation I have with my wife. Yes. Every day. <laughs> yes. That's what it felt like. But, you know, mm. they're storming Darkseid's castle. So, yes. Just I it was Tom beautiful. King at his finest. Mm. There's plenty of moments in that. Um, <laughs> my number three is breaking a deal with the Joker, which, of course, is Lex Luthor uh, breaking his deal with the Joker in the last... Uh, Justice League issue before we went on break. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely amazing moment. Uh, they come out to come out of this year. It's the best moment I think for Joker this year. Um, and that's saying a lot because he's had some big moments. This yes. Year. So. <laughs> Just seeing him dismantle all of the, <laughs> the Legion of Doom mm-hmm. and the whole like. Every villain in DC Universe just said, you messed with the Joker and walked away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing the fear on their faces yeah. was amazing. Um, next I have the fall of the Mon Calamari and the rise of the Rebellion. We get this uh, massive um, revelation in uh, Darth Vader about why the... Um... So, okay. Let me rephrase. <laughs> Darth Vader is doing his thing. You know, He's hunting the Jedi. And we come across this Jedi who is um, hiding out amongst the Mon Calamari. Well, it turns out he was using the Mon Calamari because he saw a vision of them helping out both rebellions. Not only just the um, original trilogy, but uh, the sequel trilogy that we have going on now. Mm -hmm. And he saw that they will be a major part in saving everyone and helping everyone with their ships. So he basically fucks over the Mon Calamari just to spark them to get into the rebellion. And while that does help That's the rebellion, yeah. he got millions killed mm-hmm. by the Empire. And it's the first time we see Darth Vader working with um, Tarkin. You know, um, their backs and forths is great. Um, and just this, like, twisted idea that this Jedi came up with. Um, like, the whole time you're never sure. Because you're like not sure if he's insane or not, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, you see him sacrificing his own Padawans throughout the entire thing, and you're like... Which is pretty... It's not the Jedi way. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. So it was interesting. It was the first time where Darth Vader wasn't necessarily the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And it was too late for the Mod Calvary. The King's like, wait, can we just stop all of this then? <laughs> we didn't do this. It wasn't our fault. Please and they're like, stop killing everyone. Nope. <laughs> Uh, and of course, my number one is Darkseid is not, meaning Darkseid got killed by Mr. Miracle. It was my favorite moment of the year. Just see, it, it was what I wanted out of the book for so long because we got we skipped so many fight scenes. They would go past things uh, like uh, the fight with um, Orion. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't get to see. It was like all this build up to an actual scene. And that was a big fear of ours, that we weren't going to actually see yes. this battle. Not only um, that, but there was and so Enough that I had a problem mm. with, you know, not seeing Mr. Miracle fight Orion and everything like that, because I like the way the story progressed. It still but worked. It worked and everything, but like, you want to see you mm. know, Mr. Miracle finally confront Darkseid. And we got it. Yes. And it was completely emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're terrified that he's about to kill this kid. Yes. The entire time. Yes. Yes, and there was the whole, just the tension with, like, what would he choose? Yes. You know, I mean, it, it was a great scene. It really was a great book. Um, all right, so it's my turn? Yes. All right, so my top five comic book moments of the year. Um, number five, Amazing Spider-Man. Number 800, uh, Dan Slott's Swan Song. Mm. Um, Peter Parker versus the Red Goblin. Um, this was a legendary battle. 
This had everything going into it. It was fucking just action-packed and intense. Um, it was the perfect way for Slat to end his run, his 10-year run mm-hmm. on Spider-Man. Because what is more terrifying than two of Peter's like greatest villains mashed up in one? You have Green Goblin, you know, who, you know, is, I consider, you know, Spider-Man's greatest mm-hmm. villain. And then you have Carnage, who I feel like, you know, next to the Goblin is probably the villain that, you know, Peter's most terrified of. Just because of the fact that so much blood will be on Peter's hands if he doesn't, you know, defeat Carnage, mm-hmm. you know, every time he faces him because he's a mass murderer. So he'll just randomly walk down yes. the street and murder people. So, I mean, there's probably not a, a, a villain with a bigger body count, you know, in, you know, Peter's like rogues gallery. So the fact that Norman somehow got his hands on, you know, the carnage symbiote is just fucking crazy. Mm. Um, but it was it did not let you down because I didn't know like how they would pull it off. Um, you know, the stakes were high, um, which they should have been. Um, it really used all of, you know, Peter's like supporting cast in the right way. Um, you got to see like, you know, epic moments building up Peter again. Um, and really, you know, you've got to see the heartbreak of Peter losing a character like Flash. Mm-hmm. So um, just a great way for Slat to go out. Um, and, you know, like I was talking about like cinematic moments, um, you know, in comics. This was absolutely one of those moments. And it's why, for me, why comics work so well adapted to film is because they're just naturally, mm-hmm. you know, cinematic when done right, like this book. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this story arc somewhere down the line, you know, on film. It just it just clicked. You know, it really did and ch- checked all the boxes um, for me as a Spider-Man fan. Well, first we have to get past Venom, but... Yeah. <laughs> you had to bring up Venom. <laughs> you even had Spider-Man teaming up with the Venom symbiote in this book. You know, which was insane. And just, you know, because you never thought you'd ever see that. But he was willing to do whatever it take to take out, you know, Red Goblin. Hell, he teamed up with Doc, you know, Doc Ock, too. You know, so you really got the best of all slots storylines just colliding into this one mm-hmm. legendary issue. So um, that was my number five. Um, number four was the Superman press conference in Doomsday Clock number eight. Um, I don't know if there's a more heartbreaking scene this this year um them like standing you know in the middle of that press conference or you know amongst all those you know glass statues that firestorm somehow created you know or you know transform these people into um and then you know them being so terrified of the heroes that you know they just start freaking you know firing at them even though superman and firestorm know that they can change them back um just watching Firestorm react to these, you know, people dying in mm-hmm. front of him. Um, just true heartbreak. And just taking this book to another level of, like, what the fuck is going on? Because, I mean, this book was already intense, but now seeing, you know, how the ball is really starting rolling and how, like, Superman is slowly becoming public en- enemy number one, um, you know, uh, it's just amazing. And think that you we haven't really seen clark that much Mm -hmm. in this you know series so he's really done this in you know just you know 
initially full panels um he's ratcheted up the suspense and you know the, the tension in this storyline where you can see why this could be you know doomsday for the dc universe um and then just Batman's reaction to yes. Clark standing there in front of the microphone. Don't do it. Don't pick a side. Shut up. Shut up. Don't talk. <laughs> just an awesome moment. So don't pick a side. Yeah. Oh, man. Jeff Johns is killing it. Yes. Um, number three. The Hulk decimates the Avengers. In Avengers No Surrender 685. That is a fucking awesome moment. Yes, yes. (laughs) To me, it was the rebirth of the Hulk. Mm. Um, And not only the rebirth of the Hulk, but the rebirth of the monster Hulk. So, um, you know, and I I have not been reading The Immortal Hulk and everything Mm -hmm. like that. It's a series I meant to, like, you know, pick up after this issue. But it's really just kind of redefined who that character is. Um, you know, him just running through those Avengers and mm-hmm. just being a horrifying character and what I feel like it would really be like to be up against, you know, the Green Goliath. Um, you know, the scene with the Vision where Vision just kind of nonchalantly, oh, I've done this trick before with the Hulk. I'm going to put my fingers through his skull and, you know, make him go to sleep. And the Hulk's like, no, I'm going to put my fingers through your skull to make you go to sleep. And he literally tears the fucking, you know, mm-hmm. his... Um, is whatever his diamond or whatever he has in his skull i don't think it's a stone in, no. in the series so but um just a great moment um you know and truly you know making hulk into a terrifying you know character because he's not just like he's not being an idiot or anything he's just he's got full intelligence and he's fucking yes yes tearing Which makes it even his, yes. scarier you know um he knows what he's doing he knows why he's doing it um and he just doesn't care mm-hmm. so um just a great story moment in No Surrender. Um, my number two moment is Mr. Miracle vs. Darkseid. So, um, just a great battle. It had mm-hmm. me on the edge of my seat the entire time because I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Like, every time I turned the page, mm-hmm. I was terrified what I was going to this see. This is one of those books where he could have just died there. Yes! Every- yes, and I would have been surprised if that would have <laughs> happened. You know, so I was just, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was just, my God, like I said, I was on the edge of my seat. Mm. Like, oh, what is King going to do? Um, but it did not disappoint. And when he was victorious, you know, even though we knew there was hijinks, you know, happening, um, it just felt so great to have Mr. Miracle, you know, come up on top against fucking Dark Side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just, yeah, that's absolutely, it was almost my number one moment, honestly. So... Um, a great moment and really just, you know, the bow on just a perfect book, honestly. So uh, my number one moment is Joker versus Lex Luthor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. This is just a classic Joker story yes. and tells you why you don't fuck with the clown prince of crime. Hmm. The Just the fact that Lex holds him to such a high regard because you would think you know lex as a character would just totally dismiss a madman like the joker Mm -hmm. but he realizes what a threat he is and to see the reaction to all the other dc villains you know they're sitting there trying to like i think it's a recruitment drive or something for uh the uh, uh legion of doom just fucking epic you know, like none of them are like after the Joker walks up, none of them are talking about revenge. Mm-hmm. They're all like, you know, thank God that's over with, you know, um, just a classic moment for a classic character. 
So that is my top five moments. Yes. All right. Well, those were our top five moments in comics. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what our disappointing moments were and just entertainment in general. Okay. Uh, so my number... There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> my number five, to stick with comics, was um, X-Men Red this year. Uh, for me, it's just... They tried really hard to make this kind of relevant story mm-hmm. that came off... I don't know. It, it was too... She's filtering the internet. Yeah. For, like, all the harsh words saying. And, like, I don't know. They had me up to, like, issue number six or seven. Mm-hmm. And then it just became too on the nose. You know? And it just... It became corny, almost. So, I mean, I like the message that they were going with. But I need to see superheroes kicking yes. things and hitting things once in a while. I can't have them going up against Cassandra Nova and having, like, a fucking, you know... A powwow in a circle and that's you know one of the ways that they defeat her and i think it was one of the last issues yeah and i you know they're all mind melding or whatever it just it just wasn't what i wanted from that or that or battle. tony stark making a militia with uh, magneto's helmets so that she can't affect them uh yeah that's just like <sighs> yeah it, uh, it, it became got, a little too much yeah you know like, I really was, it was my favorite X book for the first part of the year. Mm-hmm. It was. And it just kind of, it, it went downhill from there. Still some of the best covers of the year. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great art. Great art. But, um, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely understand your pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, Infinity Wars. Um, for all the reasons, if you go back and listen to our review, uh, Jesus fucking Christ. It's just, I don't know where that book went. They I don't know where the book the is going at this point. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I'm interested in seeing the Infinity Watch stuff at this point. I just, I don't. As much as I love the concept of Wolverine, uh-huh. you know, having basically the gauntlet, I don't know if I want to see it after this. Mm-hmm. I agree. I what, does, what does the gauntlet even mean at this point? I don't know. I don't think they do. <laughs> I don't think they know either. Uh, All right. Um, next, I have Justice League as a whole. I just... And it's becoming formula, the way that they're doing these stories, where it's like, we follow one hero's kind of background with Drowned Earth. Now we're on to Hawkgirl uh, and her world. And, I don't know, um, that plus uh, No Justice, it was just kind of... I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the totality right now. I'm no. not a huge fan of what they're doing with the universe. Um, it's just... I agree with you to a certain extent. Mm. I just love everything that he's doing with the Legion of Doom. Exactly. It's, it's the only reason I'm re- reading the book right now. It's so weird. He handles Doom. the villains so fucking well. Uh-huh. But then every time we get a superhero story, I can't care less about what they're doing. Uh-huh. I, I like Jaro, though. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lie about that. I don't, I don't need Batman in a fucking back brace for fucking... Yeah. Every issue. Like a back cocoon. Yeah. Just so that they can keep him off the field. Uh-huh. Uh, and my God. Drowned Earth was fucking literally drowning me. I know. Every panels and panels of fucking dialogue. Panels and panels. You know, I, I, like I love the man. I love what he did. Six worth of fucking dialogue mm. in like 21 pages. Like it made it, Yeah. His Batman really was the catalyst for me becoming right back into comics. You know, I wanted to read comics so much, so much more after reading Snyder's Run. Snyder's Run. Oh, Batman. it's some of the best Batman, you know, storytelling mm. of all time. I totally agree with that. And then we got this. Yes, I feel like it's just too big of a playing field for him. 
he goes too big. There's too much story he mm-hmm. wants to tell. You know, um, it it is disappointing because I was really excited for metal. I was really excited even after metal. I was still excited for uh, Justice League, mm-hmm. and I'm still reading the book. But like I said, it's mostly for the Legion of Doom. You know, um, so I agree. It's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is there's going to be carnage. Uh, the ending of Venom. Oh. If oh there was any, God. you know, if the movie wasn't bad enough, then they, uh, <laughs> they fucking throw Carnage, one of my favorite villains, and one of the reasons, like, you know, when you when you mentioned, you know, fucking Green Goblin mixing up with uh, Venom and uh, Carnage, Carnage yeah. like, I, and him just being a murdering monster and everything, I love that character for those very fucked up reasons. Yeah, but then fucking Woody Harrelson making a joke out of it and the characters. Like all, it wasn't wearing him, one, possibly one of the worst, worst wigs in Hollywood history. <laughs> what the fuck were they thinking? I don't know. Sight so fucking bob. It was horrible, <sighs> horrible. Damn you, <laughs> damn you, Sony. <laughs> and we're going to get that movie, which is pissing me off. I know, I know. It did fucking phenomenal mm. in the box office. It really did. So you're gonna get a sequel. Yes, but- there will be carnage. The one thing that hurt me more than anything was when I walked out of Halloween and I got a text message from Damon saying that Luke Cage was canceled. <laughs> and that's why I've been quiet through his Netflix um, reviews because I have watched a majority of those shows. But yeah, the end of Marvel Netflix, as we see for right now, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like I absolutely adore those shows. That's a good call. Um, you know, I'm super excited for Punisher coming up. But at the same time, you know, it's it's disappointing that this is the end. Because this is fucking Daredevil Season 2, that introduction for Punisher, those fucking prison scenes with him. Yes. From oh, there God. forward, I was like, this is what I need. This is what I want in my fucking shows. Yes. And, absolutely. And this is going to be the end, pretty much. Yeah. There's no way Punisher's getting a Season 3. And even if um, Disney Plus does pick up the stuff, it's not going to be the quality that I got on Netflix. At least I don't feel like they're going to take it that hard R at points. Yeah, I don't know what they, I don't know what they would do with it, honestly. Um, Luke Cage's season two ending is so open for a season three. There's so <laughs> many aspects. You know, you got Mariah's daughter, you know, coming into her own. Yeah, you've got you've got him as this crime like. Like, I feel like they have to put out a season. Even if it's not on Netflix, they have to do something. Give me four episodes that just clear They gotta put out a book. They gotta do something just to kind of, like, finish that story. Because you can't leave us hanging like that. Jesus Christ. And then who knows what we're gonna get with Jessica Jones. Exactly. Exactly. I'm hoping that they at least... I mean, they've been filming and everything, but I hope they know that it's coming to an end. And they give me just a story that ends. Because I... uh, You know, it was Daredevil that got me into it, but Jessica Jones is what kept me going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was... Um, it was a different character. It was a different style. It got me into the character so much. I started picking up all the books. Yeah. You know, I have a massive collection of just Jessica Jones at home right now. It's a great character. And it's just, I, you know, I'm, I like the second season way more than a lot of people. You know, yes, I, you do. <laughs> it's just, but it's okay. It's, it's so hard to see these shows end when I know that there's so much potential to do mm-hmm. so much more with them. Hopefully, you know, maybe... Iron Fist can go, though. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, maybe they hear the people and, you know, they end up, you know, doing an about-face and they decide to keep the shows as is. Disney hears the money. 
Well, <laughs> if they hear the people, they're hearing the money. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Knock on wood. You know, there's still hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What was that number? Was that three or? No, that was my last one. That was oh, that was your one. last one. Okay. I'm, I yes. lost count. Um, <laughs> so my top five biggest disappointments of the year. Um, number five for me was The Strangers Pray at Night. Um, I was a huge fan of The Strangers, mm-hmm. the original movie. Um, it was one of my favorite. I forgot about that movie. Favorite horror movies of the last was it been like 15 years or so mm. um so i was really excited you know for the sequel to finally you know come about and it had been rumored year after year after year um to sit down in that theater and see the pile of fucking shit that they put on screen mm-hmm. was just soul crushing i was so disappointed and upset it's like they never even saw the first movie I don't know what like this was straight to like video Mm -hmm. uh, you know um quality from like the 80s you know it was just a bad slasher movie had a fun soundtrack and had a couple cool moments here and there just poorly acted Mm -hmm. um poorly directed um and like i said it just didn't understand what made the, that movie work in the first place. And that's what I usually fear when it comes to studios that like have a hard time when it's a sequel and a sequel that people want and then they keep pushing it back. There's mm-hmm. a new director signed on. There's a new producer signed well, on. There's a new and that was right away the original creator eventually you know walked away from the project mm-hmm. and right then and there you know you know sometimes it's a case of them being too close to it but this definitely was just the case of realizing it was a cash grab and mm-hmm. him realizing that he couldn't tell the story that he wanted um so just like i said soul crushing you know because i love that first movie um number four infinity wars keeping part of the ship <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Yes. I mean, we literally have wasted hours of podcasting talking about this fucking series, you realize. Mm. Trying to make sense of it. Yes. Through reading it. And I was, I kept on trying to give it a shot. Like, okay, it's going to be like, and I enjoyed certain aspects of it, but you think how many issues we really read? I mean, with the tie ins, with Infinity Countdown and everything, that's a lot of fucking time we spent on mm. this pile of shit. So it just was super disappointing the way it concluded. Um, enough said. <laughs> um, number three, Jessica Jones, season two. Was that this year? That was this year. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Jones, season two. It wasn't a horrible season. It just, I loved the first season so much. Mm-hmm. It just didn't live up to the hype I created myself. <laughs> um you know, I didn't feel like it did justice to that character. Um, it, I really didn't love the storyline between her and her mother. I never felt like she was a significant threat to Jessica, even though, she, you know, they showed how powerful she was. I just, I don't know, I just didn't buy any of it. It felt very soap opera-ish to me at times. Um, and I really wasn't a huge fan of the Hellcat arc, you know, her and Patsy. You know? Whereas I enjoyed fucking Patsy Walker's That's fine. Story. That's fine. <laughs> and I love seeing her. Like, just the fact that, like, it's Patsy who ends up, like, you know, shooting her mother in the head. The true the villain end. of the show. She was absolutely the true villain of the show. Even that, I don't feel like she's redeemable at all at this point. <laughs> um, so, I, 
I just hope they kind of move away from that storyline, honestly. Um, with season three, I don't feel like they're going to. No. Um, we saw that Patsy's, you know, has picked up some powers. Um, there was a strong, you know, addiction theme that went through this whole, you know, series. I dug that part of it. Um, I just felt like the message that they were trying to convey got lost in poor storytelling. You know, that was my, my you know, sum up of that mm. season. So, like I said, I mean, it was, it was going to be a, a huge task to live up to season one, and they just didn't do it for me. Um, number two, Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> I was much more excited for this movie than Christian was yes. going into it. I had faith that I was going to enjoy this one. That I was going I was going to get a fun action adventure story. Um Damn, that's what you got. Great start. No, it wasn't fun though. <laughs> I got an action adventure story, but it had no heart. And that was my problem with it. It didn't have the charm of Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Um and I don't know. I know this was a production nightmare and maybe something got lost in translation. I don't think it was the actor's fault who was portraying Han Solo. Um, but I feel like it was what was on page. Um, I felt like they didn't truly understand the character. Um, none of those big action sequences worked for me. Um, I never felt like there was a significant threat to the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's a prequel, so we know Han Solo survives. <laughs> But at the same time, I just wasn't on the edge of my seat at oh, any yeah. point. You know, it just was kind of there. Like, it felt like a joke to have uh, Chewbacca dangling for his life. It's like, okay, yeah, I, he's, he's we know live. he lives. Especially they used it in the trailer. Uh-huh. It's like, well, we know he survives, right? Does Chewbacca live? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you know, um, I wanted to love this movie. They, yeah. The only problem this film has is that it wanted to be a trilogy. And it needed those extra two films... To flesh you out. You still have to start off on the right foot, though. You have, still have to have a good first film I think to justify it, two more movies. I think it had the first film down. I think it just needed two more to build that story up correctly. I want to forgive it. I want to love everything Star Wars. Trust me. And I love some concepts. I love some moments in the movie. But overall, that was not Han Solo on that, on that screen. That was not, mm-hmm. you know, the scruffy nerf herder that I love, damn it. Because he wasn't there yet. No, but he was all <laughs> over the place. He literally went through the same arc that he does in New Hope. He pretty much goes through the, the same arc. It but doesn't make any sense. Personality. It doesn't make any sense for the character to go through that arc and then, you know, how many years later have to go through the arc again? It did, like, what the hell was going on? You know, I just didn't, I don't know what they're, what they were trying to get at, you know. I want my Your fucking... wallet. Yes, pretty much. And they got it. <laughs> I bought all the toys still. Because <laughs> I'm that kind of fucking nerd. <laughs> I still... I want you know, I had to have my shit. fucking range trooper with the fucking giant fur coat on, goddammit. But, you know, I just didn't enjoy the movie. You know, Donald Glover was good in it. But mm. even his Lando, like, at times, was uneven to me. Mm. You know? I don't know. It just, it didn't have the charm. Lando was definitely a fucking, like, caricature of the character we got in Little Trichel. I agree. I agree. So. Reminded me a lot more of what they portrayed him as in the, um, 
Battlefront video game where he's very like like he he's confident in what he's doing but he's very carefree about everything mm-hmm. whereas the Lando we got in fucking Empire was like you know he's he has all these people he has to take care of he you know he has he's had a laddish past but he's not letting that affect him and we have no idea where you know how this Lando gets to that Lando yes without another fucking two films it was too undefined <laughs> I feel like yes yeah you know, and I'm sure they're banking on the fact that they would have two yeah. films at least to tell. But you know, especially with I, I mean, great moment, the Dark Ball moment. I love that. You know, but you know, I felt like it was just lost in this film. I think it would have been an interesting story, but we we're not going to get that. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. So. You kind of agree. You don't. Fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> You're just Maybe. trying to get on to number one. I am trying. To, I, it's fucking late. Number one, Venom. Fuck you, Sony. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. What? Look at that, though. You have Venom, fucking. I don't. I don't want to spoil anything, but you have them put out this fucking Spider-Man property, but then you have them do Spider-Man in an animated film. Yes, and it's significantly better. It doesn't know? make any sense. And I love what they did with Spider-Man: Homecoming. And it seems like they got the characters. So who the fuck dropped this pile of garbage? They didn't respect the character at all in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just wanted to tell their own story, and they, it felt like just a cash grab because they were like, "Oh, this is just a cool looking character. No one really gives a shit about his backstory." But that's like Venom is all about his backstory mm-hmm. and who he is as a character, and you know, the story that they're trying to tell is like the lethal protector story, which is all about redemption. But there's no redemption to be had in this film. You know, I mean, yeah, he goes through his little arc where he kind of like, you know, betrays his girlfriend, but that's pretty much it. You don't understand why, you know, Eddie Brock and the symbiote is like bonded at all. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no reason he's like, I like you, Eddie, like out of nowhere. Like, it just felt like a bad Saturday morning cartoon and not like the good Spider-Man cartoon (laughs) we got in the 90s, (laughs) because that was much more well done Uh than this piece of shit. So, and that fucking wig that they put on fucking Woody Harrelson's <laughs> head is just ridiculous. Oh, I just... It's like, n- now they're just taking the piss out of me with that. There's no reason. There's Even no if reason I drop that. the whole concept of, like, you know, the comic book origins and everything, and I look at it as just, like, a fun action film, it's still, like, the villain isn't isn't convincing. The fucking, um... The, the action scenes are uninspired. Mm-hmm. They, they, like, I was falling asleep during the car chase scene, um, you know, that happens in the middle mm. of a fucking movie. It just, the, what's considered, like, the best scene of the movie is, um, uh, his fight at that, just my laptop, uh, the fight at the, like, what is it, on the facility when he's attacking, when he's going into the facility and everything, and they have that whole SWAT team, and it's all the smoke. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's watered down because they're hiding the effects in the smoke, and he's just... Mm-hmm. It's it's this very cheap-made yes. film, and I just don't under... Like, I understand... I'm trying like, to understand the fan reaction to this film. This felt like Sony hadn't seen a superhero movie, like, since, like, the late 90s. No. Like, this felt like it could have been made in, like, the mid to late 90s. Like, it just didn't take the property, like, serious enough. The character serious enough. I I don't understand. What I can find elements in Spider-Man 3 more enjoyable than this. I agree. I actually agree with that. 
Like, how the hell did they get Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams in this film? I don't get it. Well, Michelle Williams was just picking up a check. I, I she was. She was. <laughs> I don't get it. And it's hard because like the first fifteen minutes of the movie, you like Tom Hardy. You know, but it's just because it's Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Fuck you, Sony. And now our feature presentation. Christian, it's the moment of truth. Yes. It's time for our top movies yes. of 2018. You've been waiting to hear it all fucking day. On the edge of your seats. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And there was a lot of good fucking movies this year. Yeah. And I think there's going to be even more 2019, but let's, let's was, get into 2018. Did you have a hard time coming up with the top five? You know what? Yes. Uh, I went back and forth on a couple of things, but it came down to, like, um, I couldn't, I couldn't put one movie over another. That's how I kept putting the situation. Like, I had more than five at a certain point. But okay. Just, yeah, my list almost down. became top ten. <laughs> Which is going to happen later on in the show during wrestling, so. Um, yes. Yes. So, <laughs> let's move on. Yes. Top five movies of 2018. Uh, shocking one for me, uh, starting off with number five, was Ready Player One. Now, is it the greatest movie of all time? I was going to say shocking. You, you, I felt you liked the movie at the time. I liked the movie. But I, I, there was a lot of fan reaction to it because of the book being... You don't read, so you're good. I did read the book. <laughs> because of the movie, I, I read a the dick. book. <laughs> I know you can read, asshole. <laughs> anyway, um, I really enjoyed what they did with Ready Player One. Um, it's kind of like just everything I could have wanted in a simple, fun action film. And like... You know, t- putting, like, it's not the greatest story of all. It's a story we've seen a million times. But what they did with the characters, what they did with the action scenes and everything, maybe just fall in love with the film. Okay. Nice have, you, have you seen it since? I haven't seen it since. Okay. okay. I, I, I actually it. meant to pick it up. I have not picked it mm-hmm. up yet, so I have not seen the movie. So. <laughs> but I did end up reading the entire book because of the movie. Oh, okay. So, okay. So you saw, you read it after the fact. Yes. Okay. Um, did you feel, like, did it hold up? I think the movie holds up, but it's definitely, you know, Spielberg's interpretation of what this book was. You know, definitely more Spielberg a Spielberg film. Than That's not a bad story. thing. No. I mean, the guy knows how to make some movies, mm. so. <laughs> he simplified it a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a movie. And it's, yeah, exactly. You know, They're going to I be. haven't seen this movie. I'm defending it for some reason. But, <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Uh, next I have um, Black Panther. Uh, huge movie of the year. Um, you know, couple setbacks with, you know, CGI for me, um, couple moments, but beyond that, great character work, great villain, great hero. Absolutely love the film. It's really been the year of the villain for Marvel, right? Yes. I mean, Jesus. I mean, from what was just last year where people were complaining about Marvel's villains. Exactly. That was my main complaint. And now, I mean, they've completely turned it around. Now they're known for their villain work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it really is, you know, amazing. No, thing. we'll have to see with Captain Marvel because I I feel like the villain's going to just fade away pretty easily. No one gives a shit about the villains in Captain Marvel. <laughs> Everyone's just waiting to see how it ties into fucking true, Avengers true. Endgame. So, but uh, next I have Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Um, probably one of the best animated films in the last five years. I mean, animation work is flawless, and it's one of those films that I'm considering seeing again, maybe in 3D, just so I can see what that wow. experience is like. 
Okay. Um, because I've heard nothing but good things about what they've done with it uh, in 3D and what it looks like. Because I, I can only imagine on 2D it was just so fucking smooth, but yet the focusing. Uh, I'm, I'm just talking about it on a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. The story is still pretty damn good, mm-hmm. but it's not like the be all end all of Spider Man. I know we can still get a better Spider Man film. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like it was a good introduction for Miles? God, yes. Okay. And for that whole entire concept. And that was my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that he would get kind of lost in the shuffle with no, all the other they, Spider-Man. They found yeah. a way to keep him, you know, still like an important character to the film. That was exactly my fear. I was like, can we just get Miles first and then we'll deal with all the fucking weird Spider-Verse totem bullshit? Yeah. They don't get into totems. That's Thank good. God. No, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go there. Now... I will have to put an asterisk on my list because I have not seen that movie. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like it would probably be on my list. Yes. So so there might be a little revision happening <laughs> <laughs> somewhere down the line. Um, number two is, of course, uh, The Avengers. Uh, Infinity War. Damn right. Everything it should have been. <laughs> yes. Everything you wanted, right? Exactly. People didn't believe me when I said you were going to kill everyone. Uh-huh. And they fucking did it. All they had to do was read the comic. True. <laughs> but, yeah, hey. no, no. Hey, hey. They had the balls. Yes. Yes, that's what's most impressive, is that they had the balls, and they didn't do it in the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie, mm. and just, like, you know, rewound it, you know, at the end of the movie. Yes. Because that, that's pretty much what happens in the book, too. They lose half the population right away. Um, you do have the epic battle where heroes die that happens, but, you know, that happens right off that so um it was a incredibly ballsy yes. for to have fans leave the theater thinking that like peter parker's dead and you know that you lost you know the winter soldier and falcon mm-hmm. i mean insane you know bravo kevin fucking <laughs> so i can't yeah. believe like people brought their kids to that fucking movie uh-huh. like i was traumatized by empire strikes back i can't imagine how traumatized these mm-hmm. kids are these kids are gonna be fucked up <laughs> <laughs> All they have to do is watch the next film. Tony holding Peter. Yes. Oh my god. That even hit me. I, I like, know. Jesus. Oh my god. And I know what happens. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> it still got me. Uh, and last but not least, I have Hereditary. Uh, probably the best horror film to come out in a long time. Yes. <laughs> Damon's so disappointed. I, I should have gone first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you love about Hereditary? Um, man, just the like creep factor, the way, I think it's the mom's performance the most throughout the entire film. Um, watching her deteriorate, not knowing kind of like what's going on with her for a little bit at the beginning, you know, there's, there's a lot of elements where it's like, she seems like a normal person, but then she'll say something completely fucked up and everyone completely acts like it's completely normal. Fucking crazy. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Um, and it takes a second to realize, wait a minute, what's going on? I've been very disappointed this award season that Tony Collette has not like been at least nominated. Mm-hmm. You know, I know she didn't get a nod for a Golden Globe or anything like that. Maybe you know somehow she sneaks in like an Oscar nod, but I feel like it's doubtful at this point. Um, I I feel like it's her best performance, and that's saying a lot because she's got a lot of great performances. So um, yeah, I I agree hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, all right, so on to my top five movies of the year, 2018. Um, number five, Mandy. Um, 
it, it was hard to come up with this list. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. This was almost Annihilation. Um, mm. Alex Garland's, um, you know, sci-fi mm. film. Um, just a great... It's everything I want from a sci-fi movie. But there was times where I felt like I've seen parts of that movie before. I've never seen anything like Mandy before. Gotcha. So, I mean, it was a true movie-going experience, even though I watched it in my basement. Uh, <laughs> but I mean that's you know 2018 yep. life in 2018 nowadays so um, this was part Kubrick this was part Lynch this was just all Nicolas Cage going batshit crazy um, just a insane performance by Nicolas Cage even though I felt like there were some pacing issues here and there um, it's a movie that you'll never forget um, and it, it sticks with you so, um, I, you know, since bought it on Blu-ray and I've watched it a couple of times, you know, I enjoy it more and more every time. So it's the most metal movie that came out this year. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and that means a lot to me. So, um, this was by, uh, Panos Cosmatos. I'm destroying his name as always, but, um, I can't wait to see, you know, more of yes. So, um, as a director, um, number four, A Quiet Place, um, once again, it was all about the theatrical experience mm -hmm. for me. I've never had an experience like that in a movie theater. Literally, everyone in that audience was acting like they were in the fucking movie. You did not hear a peep. And, like, it was packed. Um, and everyone was, like, scared to, like, move, it seemed like. Just because that, that whole movie has you just so wound up you know, you feel like you're in the movie, you know, and it, it takes a lot because you, there's little dialogue and you're terrified of any little thing that could make a noise in that film. Mm -hmm. There's a nail sticking out of a stair, you know, going down to their basement. And that was like one of the biggest villains in the film because <laughs> they kept on showing you this fucking nail mm -hmm. and you knew what was coming. You were just like, oh, God, this fucking nail. Because it just was in the back of your head, like someone's going to step on the nail. So every time they went down that fucking, you know, ba those basement stairs, you're waiting. You're anticipating that fucking nail. Um, just masterfully done. And it's by Jim from The Office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Krasinski. So um, I just, I'm God, man, I don't think I'll ever have a, a, a movie-going experience like that again. So I know there's going to be a sequel, but I just, it... It's hard for me to fathom them capturing mm -hmm. that experience again. So, um, you know, I, I, I really did love it. No, that will be a challenge to see how they make... Because you want to you give someone, like, especially after a, a big experience like that, you want to give someone that same original feeling. Mm. But, you know, they've had it before. How do you reimagine? How do you reshow it in a different way that will actually yeah. captivate audiences? And I know I'm kind of making the movie sound like a gimmick just by, you know, talking about how about, because it really was a family story too, mm. um, you know, and that will be kind of themed like with some of my picks. It, it was really like a family drama that happened to be taking place during a horror movie. Mm. So, I mean, you're really kind of invested in these characters that you're not hearing a peep from. There's no dialogue in the movie, but somehow you still grow to care about these characters, which is quite an undertaking for a filmmaker. Mm. Um, yeah, so brilliantly done. Um, number three for me was Avengers Infinity War. So for everything we just talked about, 
Um, the fact that they took Thanos and made him into one of my favorite villains mm-hmm. of all time now. Um, you know, they outdid the comic book. You know, and I enjoy Thanos in the comic mm-hmm. book. He's this death-worshipping madman. But they gave him soul in this movie. Um, you know, you actually felt for him at moments in this movie, which makes no fucking sense when you say it. Um, you know, because he's a mass murdering bastard. But I mean, you literally cared about this character, and that's all because of Josh, you know, Roland. Yeah, he and got snubbed. With uh, yes, I agree. Um, you know, and I think it's just because of the CGI and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, they get over that. You know, um, and you know the Russo brothers, man. I mean, what an undertaking! Once again, you know, you think about you know, this is ten years in the making. How many movies? 18 did yeah. it? I mean, they could have fucked this up royally, very easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the fact that they were able to, you know, give us a movie of this quality um, that left you walking out of the theater not only depressed, but wanting more <laughs> for some reason was amazing. You know, I have I really not heard anyone say anything negative about this movie, which is saying a lot, you know, especially with the comic book mm-hmm. community. So, um, um, number two for me was Black Panther. Um, kind of what I was talking about with Infinity War. Um, there was a lot riding on this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having a, a character like Black Panther finally giving people a character that, you know, a good portion of the population, you know, can actually, like, relate to. You know, we haven't had that African-American, like, you know character on screen and you're getting a character that will actually resonate with you know a lot of people um you know finally seeing you know themselves as a hero you know because it's it, you need to be able to relate to these characters um you know um, just seeing what it's meant to a lot of children um you know sitting in a theater and having you know these kids dressed up as black panther and seeing the aftermath this movie it all started with like civil war and everything but i mean it it became an event you know and and this movie outdid infinity war in the box office in america that's insane (laughs) it it dominated the north american box office i would never have thought that you know especially with all the hype going into infinity war but not only that what it meant you know socially as a movie but is a damn good movie you know it, it had to take this like weird spot as well because it came out right before Infinity mm-hmm. you know that's such a huge monumental film and then you have this like it's kind of like what we worry about with Captain Marvel is like is this going like, to matter is this going to be as well my thing is too it do- It matters so much because it's the lead it mm-hmm. and you know that that character is going to like live like after or you know that it's going to matter to you know Avengers 4 you know Endgame so Black Panther, if that shit the bed, if it didn't work, it could have affected, yes. you know, the story of Infinity War. Like, you don't care about T'Challa, you don't care about Wakanda. But it was the opposite. You were so excited that only, like, what, two months later, you were mm. getting almost like a sequel to Black Panther. You get to see your favorite characters again on the screen. Um, you know, just, I mean, and this was a truly, like, just an ensemble cast. I mean... T'Challa, you know, wasn't, you know, the only character that mattered in this movie. It was really the supporting cast that stole the mm-hmm. show for me, you know, with Shuri and, 
Mbaktu and, you know, T'Challa's mother. And it just, I mean, I can't think of his girlfriend's name right now, but she was phenomenal in the movie. So just great performances. And then you have Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Who, I mean, I was, I'm going to say everything that I said about Thanos, about, you know, Killmonger. A character that I could give a shit about in the comic books. Mm. But, I mean, what he did on screen as Killmonger was just, he felt real. He felt authentic. Um, and, once again, it made you kind of, you know, I don't know, relate to, you know, him as a character. You could understand why he was doing what he was doing. Um, and that really made the film. I've heard people complain that T'Challa didn't get enough big moments in the film. And at first, I could kind of understand what they were saying. But, like, going back and watching it, I disagree. Like, when he, um, you know, finally gets revived um, and he goes and he visits the spirit realm um, and he confronts his father and mm. all the other Black Panther, you know, you know, from the past, that's a huge moment. I mean, and it's really him, you know, turning over a new leaf and, you know, taking, leading his, you know, you know, his, his family and his, you know, people into a different direction, into a new age. So I don't, I don't get what, you know, people are saying when it comes to T'Challa, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, they, the other characters might have better like one-liners or anything, but that's not T'Challa, you know, (laughs) you know, he's this stoic character. So, um, just my God, you know, I, I'm just so happy that this movie, you know, did what it did. (laughs) So, and fucking Ryan Coogler, man. I mean, that guy I just wish Killmonger was alive. <laughs> <laughs> what would his arc be, though? Would it be a redemption arc? Because I felt like I loved the way it ended between those two. Yes, but... So, would you want him to go back to his villainous ways? I wouldn't have had... I wouldn't have had the ending like that, though. I would have had a different, you know, maybe even more hate towards the end, rather than... See, I liked that, you know, they kind of understood each other and, you know, they shared that moment on the cliff, you know, enjoying the sun, you know, the sunset and everything. I mean, I I understand. I don't know, man. I I get it. Like, I want more Killmonger, Mm. but I also understood his arc. So, um, you know, it would have been cool to see him during Infinity War, though, like teaming up with them and, you know, Mm. a badass Killmonger, you know taking on Thanos and his minions. It'll be interesting to see what they do for their sequel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we've heard like a villain is going to be or anything like that. Right? No. Everything's focused. Right? (laughs) (laughs) What sequel? (laughs) Uh, But yes. We're getting Homecoming or two in like a month after. A month after, right? It could be, it could take place in the past. You don't know. <laughs> it could be like it's the British trip that they're on before mm-hmm. Infinity War. The little field trip that they mm-hmm. had, right? I would be surprised if they did something like that. That's um, what I would have done if I were them. Yeah, because I mean, you'd still want to see the movie mm-hmm. regardless. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it would have affected anything, but that's just me. Uh, my number one, Hereditary. Yes. Once again, you steal my fucking thunder, asshole. Uh, <laughs> This is absolutely one of my favorite horror movies of the last 20 years. You know, um, this movie affected me. Mm-hmm. Not in a good way. It totally <laughs> fucked with my head. Um, watching this movie is a total trip. Um, first time director. 
Ari Aster. He also he also wrote the movie. What he did with his camera work is just insane. Like he played with us like as horror movie fans. Mm. I feel like you know with how he played with like lighting and spaces and how he framed his shots and everything. But once again, it was also all about the family drama. You know, I mean, you have this family going through this horrific, these horrific events and like dealing with loss and then, you know, spoilers, dealing with the loss of a child. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the meantime, there's a horror movie happening, you know, and it's really like the tale of two halves, you know, the first half feels like an art house like horror movie and the second half feels like a slow burn you know classic 70s horror movie but it works you know it doesn't feel uneven at any point to me um it's a lot of shit that you've seen before but it's just kind of served up in a different way um i you feel know. like if i watch it again there'll probably be more things that i notice oh absolutely i guarantee there's tons of songs. um i bought it about a month ago and I can't bring myself to watch it. <laughs> Just because. Go on, like, turn the lights off. It fucked with me for two days afterwards mm. where I was just like, I couldn't stop thinking about the fucking movie. And I was like, I just, I have to be in the right state of mind to watch this movie. So it's literally just sitting there, like waiting for me next mm. to my TV, haunting me. <laughs> so, um, great performances. We talked about Tony Collette already. Um, Gabriel Byrne, the, the father who's trying to hold everything together, um, the daughter, I mean, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, but I mean, just truly unnerving, unrelentless, creepy fucking shit going on in this movie, um, you know, and like I said, plays with you as a horror movie fan, things that you, you know, as a horror movie fan, you've been trained to do, if there's too much space in the shot, you know, if a shot is framed a certain way, you're expecting something to come up or something to happen in that space. He does that time and time again, and then nothing happens until something does. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there'll be shit happening that are, that's so subtle that you don't even notice it until like halfway through the fucking scene, and you're like, "What the fuck is happening here?" Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ending throws people off um, just because it's so fucking insane. But, but it makes sense. And what, what are people expecting? You know, this is one of those movies, and this has been happening a lot this year, where a movie gets tons of critical praise, and then the fan reaction is, like, completely divided. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like that's been happening a lot, you know, recently. I don't know if it's just, like, a syndrome of, like, Rotten Tomatoes and everything. Um, You know, like, a lot of these, like, movie studios are using those scores to really, like, you know, drum up, you know, a lot of buzz for the films. But those scores don't necessarily mean the movies are like, you know, 86% just means a lot of critics liked the movie, you know, or thought the movie was okay. It doesn't mean that it's this fucking, the greatest movie ever, you know, but that's not how they're framing it. Um, but this is the one instance where I feel like the people are fucking insane and wrong. And I feel like in a couple of years, people are going to realize what they got. Um, well, most of the complaints I hear about the movie is that it's just too intense. You know, which it's, what are you expecting? It's a horror movie. <laughs> you know, I mean, support horror movies. Mm. And a lot of people did this year. Because yes. we're getting a whole lot of fucking movies this year, this coming up. Um, year, in 2019. So, um, I don't know, man. Hereditary absolutely took number one. And mm. it wasn't close. It really wasn't close. <laughs> so. 
I mean, Avengers was a great film, but Hereditary is a fucking work of art. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it, for me, it was a toss-up between, you know, for the number two slot, it was Avengers and Black Panther. Mm. But I had to give it to Black Panther just because they're original characters where I feel like Avengers Infinity War is a product of all those movies that came in the past. You know, where that movie doesn't work if you don't know those other stories. But I argue the challenge of bringing all of those stories oh, together. absolutely. Is... It's number three on my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm just explaining why it's number two. It's just, yeah. for me, it's just like, they brought all these stories together, gave everyone an equal amount of time, amount of care, amount of... Like, There's so much writing in both of those movies. Like, if Marvel would have fucked up Black Panther, mm-hmm. so many people would have been pissed off, you know? It's the first real, like, African-American, like, superhero, you know, being on screen. And if they did a piss-poor job of, you know, telling that story, I mean, it really could have, you know, destroyed, you know, Avengers, you know, just because people would have had a bad taste in their mouth. Um, but the same with Infinity War. <laughs> if they would have screwed up that movie, it could have just fucked up Marvel for yeah. years to come. I mean, it really could have. And it kind of really hurts all those, you know, epic, you know, stories that they've told in the past because it's all been leading up to this. Well, like, imagine, like, like if it had turned out anything like Avengers 2. Mm-hmm. Where it's just flat. It's just flat. It just yeah. feels like a just, just typical action film. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No heart whatsoever in that movie. Well, some cool some moments. Heart. There's, there's some good acting. There's some good moments, but they just... You, I don't know. It was not the first adventure. No. So, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's my list. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you if you don't like it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a break from, you know, the year review. We're going to get into a little bit of wrestling. Let's talk some wrestling. Yeah. What's up, friends? Seamus here, and I host the podcast Chewed Gum. Every episode of Chewed Gum, we look at specific films, television, and anything else, entertainment, or art. We critique it, we give it our best opinions, and some random information that you might have never known. So tune in on your favorite podcast player today, or visit dramacityproductions.com slash gum and find out what I think about some of the most popular and unpopular entertainment out there. Thanks for listening. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. Um... Who's actually listening to you idiots? Grum. Remember, I'm not Tranquilo Naito. I'm f- crazy. All right, last week it was New Japan's biggest night of the year, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Hell of a night. Hell of a night. Hell of a show. Plenty of great matches, but we have to talk the pre-show first. This was not a great match. <laughs> <laughs> that being said... Um, I missed the uh, the little battle royal that they usually do with the legends and everything. I always skip the battle so, royal, so it would have been better than this. Um, just this just felt like a match for match sake to me, but it is what it is. I was really the one thing that this did for me was it was so eye opening how much talent mm-hmm. New Japan has to have wrestlers like Suzuki, you know, on the pre show was just insane to me. So like Hangman Page, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, but yeah, we had the gauntlet match for the never open six man tag team um, title number one contendership, you know. Um, and this was going to be um, actually, they would cash in um, at New Year's Dash. Gotcha. The next night, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, there really wasn't much to this match. You did have like a Bullet Club angle basically happen. 
um, where you had um, Owens and uh, Takahashi and um, basically stabbing the elite in the back um, right off the bat. Man, they were eliminated those right two away. extremely valuable players. <laughs> from the they are high on Chase Owens. He signed a three-year deal with them, Crazy. which is, I feel like they usually just do one-year deals. So they really wanted to protect Chase Owens from going to He's the uh, crown fucking jewel. I, he is, I guess so. Uh, but there were reports that Liger is like really into him and everything. So maybe he's in for a big push. So I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> man. He's a good hand. He is a good hand. Leave Chase alone. Uh, I need Leave my uncle Chase alone. Heavyweight champion next year. <laughs> Chase Owens. Headlining Wrestle Kingdom 14. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but yeah, okay. So players of the match, we had the most violent players. Uh, Makabe, Yano, and Taguchi. Uh, we also had Jeff Cobb, David Finley, and... Uh, who else is in that? Oh, Nagata. I'm sorry. Uh, we had Chaos represented with uh, Goto and Beretta and Chucky e. T, the best friends, and uh, Suzuki Gun, uh, Suzuki Archer, and Davy Boy Smith. And then we have the Elite um, Hangman Page, uh, Takahashi, and Marty Scroll. So, um, God, I'm just going to sum it up in a nutshell Makabe and uh, Yano and uh, Taguchi. Why are they the most violent players? I have no idea. I just because they might knock nutshots around? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> There's a weird dynamic between Yano and Taguchi going on here. Mm. Um, you know, they're both comedy wrestlers at this point. <laughs> so um, they were doing their routines. Like I said, it just wasn't clicking at all for me, though. This match's pacing was weird. I, like I said, I missed the fucking battle royal. <laughs> so, I mean, enough said. But yeah, anyway, so moving on to the actual opening of Wrestle Kingdom yes. 13. Um, and this match did not disappoint. Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi. It disappointed in one way. It was extremely short compared yes. for these two talented uh, guys. And that's going to be a theme, actually, with most of the undercard, mm-hmm. which was weird. I didn't, I didn't understand the choice. Um, I It didn't feel like the, you know, what I consider like the three main events. Yeah. Um, needed that much more time um because I, I think the show clocked in at like four on four hours yeah just about so i felt like last year they went like five or six so and maybe i'm wrong with that i'm but... pretty sure it was four hours too but each match felt like it had a decent amount of time last year yeah i don't maybe there was less matches maybe they just had two hmm. matches and we actually had the the um story come out that uh wrestle kingdom next year is going to be two nights so, how do you feel about that? Um, it's a lot to watch. It is. <laughs> but, like I said, you won't have, like, Suzuki, like, you know, on the pre-match with the pre-show. Mm. That just seems wrong to me. So, I mean, they have enough talents. Well, they did, at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what they have next year. Um, more to come on that. But, uh, you know, where they could stretch it between two shows. At least. Mm. So, but this, I mean... This, for me, was definitely a case for it being two, two nights, you know, with how, like, short some of these matches felt. Because I felt like, you're right, Osprey Ibushi, it was a great match, but it deserved at least another 10 mm-hmm. minutes. You know, I mean, that's how I felt. And I know maybe they cut it short because of the possible injury to Ibushi, um, but I doubt it. That felt like it was the end spot to yeah. me, too. So. But, I mean, this, this match didn't disappoint overall. 
um, for me. Um, you know, I liked that they worked more of a ground game at times too. They kind hmm. of like at least switched it for the up, start. Yeah, you know, which was solid. I hmm. liked that. You know, they just didn't give you you know move for move sake. You know, um, you know, not that they ever were just spot fast, but um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't what you would have like put down on paper when you think of being like Osprey. Expected someone jumping off of like the Wrestle Kingdom stage and landing on their head <laughs> over and over again. Um, so no, I, I dug this match and it was actually up there for me for uh, match of the night. Mm. Um, it was so a good open. It was a contender. The entire show as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what do we have next, Christian? Uh, next we have Lij um, going up against Suzuki Gun and uh, Kanemaru. Oh, sorry, Suzuki Guns, Kanemaru, and El Desperado. And Punky 3K. Show and yo. Yes. IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. I, I feel oh, like I'm sorry. You know what? We forgot to actually who, say who won. Oh. <laughs> Osprey and Obushi. Uh, Osprey, Osprey won. won. Yes. yes. <laughs> Osprey um, won with a very nice finisher that might have killed Obushi. So. <laughs> He'll be Well, you know, it wasn't the finisher, though. It was the uh, the elbow to the back of the head. Gotcha. I think that's what actually hurt him. That makes sense. That thing's insane. Mm. That elbow, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he el- like gets a running start and elbows him in the back of the mm. fucking head. I don't even see how you protect yourself against that thing. I've seen Kota take so many hits to the head. That doesn't know. mean he should. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, it didn't work out well for him. Um, even when he went to go pick him up for his finisher, he seemed like he was kind of like mm. having to really help him up. So, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe he needs to kind of retire that elbow. <laughs> it just was, it was, it was pretty insane to mm. me. So, but I mean, I get it, whatever. <laughs> it looks cool. It, no, it looks fantastic. <laughs> so would pulling out a chainsaw, like you'd cut any guy in half, but I mean... Hmm. We're not getting that. Well, anyway, we're on to the tag titles. Um, you know, three teams... Talking about not being irresponsible, Christian. <laughs> three teams that I don't see as junior heavyweight in any sense of the words. Yeah. Fighting for... I mean, Yo and Show are, are on the smaller side, but the rest of them are pretty big guys. Uh, Shago <laughs> definitely doesn't feel like a no. junior heavyweight at all. So That's yeah. why I was like, wait, this is for the junior heavyweight title? Yeah, yeah, but, that is a little weird. Either way. Yeah, I, I feel like Shingo is just kind of like in there to be in there. It's like Jericho when he was a cruiserweight on WCW. Mm. But he was like clocking in at like 225. He's like, no. Um, but yeah, no, I, this was a solid match though. I was happy that um, LIJ went over here. Yes. Um, I felt like we kind of saw this. They won the tournaments, the uh, tag team mm. tournament. So I kind of felt like the writing's on the wall for them. Um so, and it ended up being, you know, what was the start of the big night for LIJ. So, yeah. But solid match. I, I'm done with Rocky Romero, though. <laughs> they need to do something to mix I, that up. I don't know what to do about him, though. Because he feels weird, because it's like, sometimes they have him um, helping out with the U.S. team, and he doesn't feel like that same, the U.S. The announcer. He, does, he does, well, I think he does okay. As he does a, okay, yeah. but he doesn't feel like the same character as this asshole that walks out. With um, Rapungi 3K, and they do this whole thing. The hip-hop thing, and he's like 50. Yeah. And yeah. And just... they keep talking about how, like, oh, he cares more about himself than he does the team. And I'm like, 
Is this gonna go somewhere eventually? Or are they gonna finally like turn on him or break I feel like up, that or? I feel like he's been apologizing to the team for the last like four or five months. Yeah. Like, after every loss. So I feel like they will eventually turn on him. I think I, it's just that like slow burn storytelling mm. that Nutrient does. So, um I don't know. I don't know. Um but the match was solid overall. Um but still actually, once again, pretty quick. Yes. You know, especially with like three teams this caliber. Mm. I was expecting, you know, a longer match. So, like, the finish came, and I was like, oh, it's over. I don't know. So, that that's when I kind of saw it being a shorter match. Really? New a Japan does tag teams, like, nonstop. I know. But this was a bigger, like, I felt this was a bigger match. We had that fucking giant tournament for mm. the thing, you know. So, it was basically a, like, G1, like, tag title, yeah, you know, it. tournament for it. But, um, I don't know, man. I, I just, there was a lot of matches on this card where, like, the finish just felt like they, they came on another, you know, which could be a good thing, but, I don't know, I just felt like the guys were kind of short on time, so. Um, next up, we had Saber, Zack Saber Jr. versus uh, Ishii, and this was for the British Heavyweight title? There's an actual name of the Yeah, it's from another show. Yeah, I, yeah. Rev Pro. So. Yes, so, um, and Saber, uh was all about getting his belt back and he did yes um i really enjoyed this match saber has won me over um <laughs> finally i don't know <laughs> if i like ishi tapping though like it just feels like someone who shouldn't tap yeah i feel like this is the second time i've seen him tap out to he's he's a character saber. who should be passing out not tapping yes but that's how i feel i think because i feel like we've had this conversation mm. before <laughs> Did, was it to saber that he i'm not sure to? if, if okay. it was to saber or suzuki but i feel like it was either i mean it was a beautiful sequence mm. you know it really was to end the match but i really man i just don't like Ishii. And tapping out, I really don't. And it wasn't even like, like he was so tangled up he couldn't even tap out, so he had to actually say the yeah. words. So I don't know. That just bothered me. I just, just me. that finish I thought was such a setup for him to just pass out. Yes, he has no way of tapping. He doesn't want to give up. Exactly, just fall forward. But um, I definitely loved all the combinations, all the different. Uh, like every time Ishii would just charge at him, um, Saber had an answer. He had a submission for it. He had. And that's a good point because you know sometimes when with saber matches, I feel like he's doing a move for move's mm -hmm. sake. Um, this match, all the transitions like made sense. Yes. Right? So um, I enjoyed that. I felt like this was a well put together match. He definitely held on to things more this mm -hmm. time around rather than like like hey, I hey. just put in this cool move. Yes. Look at this. Now I'm gonna do this move. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, strong match overall. So what do we have next? Um, we have LIJ with Sonata and Evil this time, uh, going up against the Young Bucks and the Gorillas of Destiny. How about the Gorillas of Destiny's, uh, intro? Their, uh, their new, uh, music. I like their music, man! It's okay. And I like their little outfits and everything. I love the old song so much, so... Really? Just, like... I don't know, I actually looked, I tried to find the, uh, new intro music. Like, it's gotta be on YouTube, I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it, but I dug it, so I don't know. I like the intro. I like the um, costumes, though. Yeah, what was that? What was it inspired by? I like, know. I was trying to Unless it's, it like, Mortal Kombat or something. It looked cause... like the Red Hood to me. Oh. <laughs> like, it was, like, the Red Hood and the Blue Hood. They, they felt like this uh, uh, one cyborg character from Mortal Kombat to me, at least. Okay. Okay. From I can't 3? Remember his name. Is it from 3? It's, like, Triborg or something like that. Okay. 
Okay, I don't think that's who I'm thinking of. But anyway, um, I don't know, man. This match didn't really do that much for me. You know, I felt like the Bucks were just there. You know, it was obviously, I mean, once again, the writing was on the wall. Mm. This was going to be their last match. It was um, another super quick match. It was a very super quick match. Um, I don't know. You know, things happened. I was glad to see Sonata and Evil mm. get the, you know, win. But uh, it really, like, it, it felt like nothing happened in this match. Well, there, there was just, there was not enough of featuring of any character. Mm-hmm. Like, Evil, like, barely felt like he was in this match. I paid a lot. I mean, Sonata looked good throughout the entire match, but I didn't see much of Evil. Um, the Young Bucks do their typical thing, but, you know, we've seen it a million times. Yeah, and it and felt like they were going through the motions. I'm trying to remember the actions of Gorilla's of Destiny in this match. No, I can't. I can't remember it either. Like, it is kind of forgettable. Um, you know, and that's kind of what I was talking about when we were kind of previewing the show, mm. was there were so many matches where I felt like you already knew, like, the outcome. Um, this being one of the, like, all the elite matches, like, you felt like, okay, they're going to be doing the honors here. So, and so the writing was on the wall right off the bat. So I feel like that kind of took away from this match for me. It's something that I would rather have happen at, like, a Dominion than Mm -hmm. at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was what it was, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, so I was happy for a Sonata and Evil. Yes, Sonata and Evil win. (laughs) <laughs> and then here's another match um, up next we had Juice Robinson uh, versus Cody Rhodes and this was the same thing this was the same story where you kind of knew that Cody was going to be going out on his back here. Mm-hmm. You, know, you knew this was going to be his last match in New Japan um, and for, for the foreseeable future at least um, the match was okay Cody's working injured right now so he did what he could there was a lot way too much brandy stuff going on in this match oh yeah I, I hated you know the whole like uh, she gets in the way it was a really it took forever to kick her out as yes. well she actually covered Cody mm-hmm. at one point when Juice was about to go off the top so um yeah I don't know this match really did not did this actually might be my least favorite match of the night and I've been high on Cody and Juice um, mm-hmm. recently so it was, it was it was kind of a big disappointment so, I'm hoping for a bigger year at least with juice uh, going forward Especially i think this with, was uh, part of his arc mm-hmm. you know because he was on that like that down tick you know he got the title yes. and then he just like g1 he was getting decimated um but and then he i think he pretty much lost, was that his first defense against cody yeah and it and was cody's first belt. defense of the title as well yeah that's weird that was just um, wow it's like basically ww's version of the european title back in the day yeah just doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> So, but hopefully Juice gets to hold on to this belt for a while. And I think he's his next challenger is going to be Beretta. So, which should make for a really good match. Um, uh, what so, do we have next? Yeah, next we have Taji Ishimori going up against Kishida, and which was the coolest intro of the night, even yes. though it was ridiculous. Uh-huh. And that mask is way too realistic. Those masks are fucking creepy. <laughs> they really are. So we had a little Kishida come mm-hmm. out. Um, in a creepy ass, way too like lifelike mask. Um, was what's his name? Uh, Doc Brown. Yes. Okay. Uh, of course. Suzuki or not Suzuki? Uh, okay. <laughs> that would be hilarious if it was Suzuki. <laughs> Coming yeah. Out. Uh, no, Taguchi. Yes. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Taguchi, right? Um, 
Yeah, it was okay. You know, I mean, it, it, the match itself was great, but mm. it was once again, I felt like it was too a case. Short. It was too short. Um, so, and I didn't realize at the time that there was all these rumors about Kushida uh, like leaving mm. the company. So, um, so that would have been like another foregone like conclusion that he would be doing, you know, the job yeah. um, for Ishimori. Um, I'm happy for Ishimori, and I mean, God, that guy's fucking talented. Mm. I mean, every match I see, you know. I'm just falling more and more in love with him. So, um, but no, they yeah. definitely need to highlight him more going forward with this whole Bullet Club team and everything. I know the focus right now is Jay White, mm-hmm. but I think like they need to work both angles. I agree. I agree. Give him more of the spotlight mm-hmm. because yeah, he's going to be a workhorse. Um, because man, the guy can go. So, <laughs> but this was, I mean, for what it was, for the amount of time that it did have, it was it was a good match, but it was only 11 minutes long. It was 11 minutes long, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I felt like they deserved at least 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, cruiserweights can go fast, but... Yeah, no, 11 minutes is not enough time to tell a story, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, alright, and then we're on to bigger part of the uh, nights. Basically, um, you know, the top three matches, um, you know, what I see as the main events. We had Jay White versus Okada. Um, Okada came out as the Rainmaker. Yes. Uh, Huge pop. <laughs> <laughs> kind of feels like, you know, it's kind of finishing that kind of arc where he's like, he's been down on himself and now he's finally coming back out as the Rainmaker. Getting... But, but did he know? <laughs> he did Was he really win. the Rainmaker this time? He didn't win. But I think that puts over Jay White more than it does. It does. Than it does to hurt, you know, Okada's character. So do you think Okada is going to still be kind of like, you know, like in this like mode of like you know you know am i the rainmaker am i not like am i am i stuck in between you know trying to find himself like is that going to be his arc for this year still i think it's going to slow down less on trying to find myself and just trying to maybe redefine the rainmaker going forward yeah because i don't know what's in the future for okada Mm -hmm. right now like i don't see where we're going i mean his next feud is going to I could easily see him going after the um, Intercontinental t- title so that way they can have someone to take it off of Naito. Hmm. I could see that. And that'd be a big run for him. I would, I would yeah, to carry that belt for a while mm-hmm. and everything. Give him that kind of upper mid-card, you know, on level for right now since I feel like they're going to be focusing less on him this year. Uh, you know, not saying that he won't be back, you mm-hmm. know, up on top, you know, for years to come. But I feel like they're kind of like, you know, taking a break from him right now. Yeah. So, I mean, he's had a busy couple of years. So, um, but I thought this was a great match. I really did. Um, you know, it was 14 minutes, which I felt like they, once again, it could have gone a little longer. But for um, what it was, I still enjoyed a lot. And I loved what I saw from Jay White throughout this match. I did. And I thought this was really Jay White's, like, coming out party, mm-hmm. um, you know, in this setting, on this stage. With this angle, you know, showing that he can take the ball and run with it. So, um, you know, he's, you know, I don't know, man. As a character, he's on point right now. Um, You know, and I see big things for him, you know, in 2019. You know, and I feel like this was, like, him kind of graduating into, like, that event scene by being a cop. So. All right. Well, next we had Naito versus Chris Jericho. Yes. And the fucking ball just flew out. Because <laughs> Naito attacks and we just go fucking bang. 
You know, uh, what was it? The uh, the referee just rings the bell because they're just going to town. Yeah, there's yeah. no point in waiting for them to get back in the ring. I didn't know that it was going to be a street fight. Uh, well, the night before, they made it a no DQ. See, match. I didn't know that. So they had a little press conference. Jericho asked for a no DQ match. Naito, I loved everything about Naito mm. during this whole program and everything. This, his like swag level was on fucking ten like the entire time. The whole like Jericho son, like just taunting him, mm. even though he kept like getting his ass handed to him, he still did not stop like taunting Jericho and just acting like he didn't give a fuck, which was fantastic. But uh, he wrote on the contract no DQ. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jericho in turn turned around and stabbed him in the face with a fucking pen. Um, it was brutal. He put him through a table and everything. So, um, and that really just you know set the stage for this match, which was just balls to the fucking wall. Mm. So I dug this match. I definitely felt like it was one of the matches of the night. Um, Jericho really hasn't disappointed, um, but you know this really gave the stage for Naito to shine. You know, although that being said, because I felt like once again, like, oh, well, obviously Naito's going to win this match, you know, after, you know, losing to Jericho hmm. the last time they met. Um, but there was a few times where I was like, holy shit, is Jericho going to win? You know, they set up the match where it actually made me believe that there, there was, you know, a scenario where Jericho could actually win that match. Mm -hmm. um, so it was well done. It was well done, you know. Um, you know, I, I love the intensity and everything. I love the pacing of the match. Um, you know, I, you know, we know what happened. You know, the next couple of days with Jericho and everything. Um, you know, I would like to see what's going to happen with Jericho's character in the future. You know, if he keeps this character or if he changes <laughs> it up, um, and you know how he's going to perform now. Like if he's working more of a regular schedule. Mm -hmm. So because right now he wrestled well four matches this year mm -hmm. so you can have a match like this you know and you know heal for two months you know and come back but if you're doing this like, you know even monthly it's gonna be a little more difficult so uh, that fucking pile driver on the ramp was stiff as all shit and you could tell like he got <laughs> fucked up on that mm. um but great match yes. really i mean jericho is just coming to his, like this next level you know this year and this really, once again, for me as a fan, like I've liked Naito for a long time, but this made me fall in love with Naito as a character. And I'm that was the program, to, you know, setting up. It wasn't just the match. It was actually the whole, like, I, his, his, him as a character, like, clicked for me. Mm. You know, seeing his interactions with Jericho, even though there's that language barrier. And, you know, you're not getting subtitles on New Japan. Um, you know, so, like, just seeing, like, how he's just so, like, you know, calm and just kind of taunting and mocking Jericho even though he's still getting his ass handed to him half the time they're in the ring together I, got, I wish we could get more of this out of um, all of us as well mm. in WWE because that would be such a fun now I don't fun know thing. much about Almas and like how his character was before mm. he came over to the company was he very much like what Naito's doing right now? Yeah, I mean, Naito learned most of his shit from Almas. But did he do it as well as Naito does it? Because Naito, I mean, like... Naito's fucking killing it, so I yes. can't say... But I haven't seen Almas I in mean, that state in a long, long time. Even though, like, once again, there's the language, Ooh. you know, barrier. Like, his charisma is undeniable in any language. Yes. So, um, man, it, what's it, I feel like this is Naito's here. I really do. 
I, I, so, I feel like this is the start of a big year, and this was a huge start for LIJ mm. this year because they have every belt that they could want right now. <laughs> so, or don't want. As we saw Naito <laughs> spit as the, at the young lion as he hands him the fucking belt. <laughs> um, what was it? The young lion was is, uh, someone's son. Oh, Red Shoe's son. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought maybe that's why he was doing it. But no, he just, he just hates that fucking belt. <laughs> so, because in one of his, like, uh, uh, whatever. He didn't throw it this time. He didn't throw it, but he was saying that, you know, this belt just loves me, keeps on finding me, you know. So, he has the belt stalking him. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he might be a little more accepting of the belts this time around, you know, because the last time he damaged it so much they had, had to, to like replace it. it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. And then we have the final match of the night: Tanahashi versus Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Christian, thoughts? you were definitely going into this match. You weren't necessarily too. It seemed like did you watch a lot of like the pre-show shit beforehand? Um, like, not as much as you had. I've seen like you know Kenny's side more. I haven't seen didn't really watch too much of Tanahashi's. I'm <laughs> <laughs> nervous. Um, did any of that like the, the build up for this match? Did it kind of sway you? Did it make you more excited for this match? No, because I just I knew the outcome. Mm-hmm. I said that Tanahashi's leaving with the championship. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like as soon as he won G1, this is kind of like the road they were on. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. You know, and a lot of it, with a lot of this card, it felt very foolish, which is unfortunate. Um, it's just it's just not the guy I wanted in that place, mm-hmm. and not the storyline. So I guess I just came in in such a low place, and then the match was okay. It was, it was still a good match. I think it was a damn good match. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good match, Regardless but I, I wasn't outcome. like... Yeah. I was more hyped through Naito versus Jericho than I was for this match. Yeah, well, that was fucking insane. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jericho's jacket alone mm. in his entrance was enough for, you know, that match to get over with me, so... And, you know, this match is just so... It showed a lot of what Omega does best, which is just telling a fucking story. But you I know? feel like... Okay, now that being said... Mm. It takes two to dance here. Yes. And I feel like it also shows what Tanahashi does best, which is telling the story. So you got to give the guy some credit. I know he's not what you typically like as a wrestler. He's not either. For me, you know, like his style is more methodical. You know, um, he has a very set move set. You know, like it's very rigid, like how he does his moves, but it's where he places them. You know, I mean, they kept on bringing up, like, Bret Hart and everything like that. And it did, that's kind of where it was like, okay, I'm understanding, mm. you know, this character now, his style. Because he is very much like, you know, the Hitman, where the Hitman had, like, okay, you know, if he hits the elbow, he's going to be going into this move. You know, you're going to see the atomic drop here. Mm. You're going to see, you know. Um, and they, I mean. Um, but it's how, where he puts those moves, you know. And, the U.S. team definitely brought that out. They even stated, you know. He has a move set. He's going to do like I mean. I will have to say I was disappointed with the announced team for most of the night until this match because I felt like they did sell this match well for me. But most of the night I felt like they they were just off. Um, I don't know if it was the third man, the translator. I can't think of his name right now. You know, he was kind of annoying me. Um, he had a lot of bad like one-liners that were like 
obviously ridden beforehand. Oh yeah, you know. Every time like what, he like, came in, it sounded like someone just fit, fed him this line. To yes, say. it felt very much like what like Otonga did when mm. he was you know on his, you know main announce team and everything. Like he would always have that like closing line to kind of like you know end the story of the match. But what what was interesting about it is that the other two then sounded like okay now we have to work around what this guy just said. And that's I what felt I like Callis felt off though throughout the whole night too, where it was just like he would just be quiet for like four minutes. Like mm-hmm. I forget he was there. There was a lot of quiet spots. Yeah. For where and I don't mind that, time. like let the match breathe. But there was also times where I felt like they were talking over big lines mm. of the match. They just felt off to me, and I actually like Kevin Kelly and uh, Don Callis together. Um, but this was, you know, not their best showing. Um, until this match, like I felt like they helped this match storyline wise. When they framed it as like Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels from the late nineties, I was like, okay, that makes sense. That is actually, I, I felt like, okay, Kenny's totally going for this right now. Mm. Um, but it, it kind of made sense where you've got like you know the cocky young wrestler, you know, going against the more traditionalist who's been the champ longer, and you know. Um, you know, who's more of a purist at heart. So, um, and I, but I did like in this, during the match too, like how all of a sudden Tanahashi decided, oh no, I'm going to put him through a fucking table. I'm going to go for it. You know, Ooh. he fell hard through that fucking thing too. Um, that DDT that Omega hit on him on the fucking table was fantastic Ooh. also. So, um, what was it? The reversal on the uh, high five flow that last second knees of mm-hmm. Mike Kenny was insane. And you could set, like, um, the Bucks, you can hear them saying, that was fucking close, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear them in the background yelling about it. I liked how more subdued they were mm. to the Bucks on the outside because sometimes they can kind of get in the way, for, for me at least. Um, but they did a lot more, like, subtle things, yes. you know, to put over what was going on in the ring, you know. They didn't steal, you know, the limelight away from the match itself, which I thought was great. So, but I, I felt like, honestly, to me, this was like a masterclass between two wrestlers, you know, going at it. Um, even though, like, we kind of knew what the outcome was going to be, um, you know, I felt like these were two guys, you know, really showing, you know, mm. what's great about their style of wrestling. I guess just know? for even me. Even though they clashed, they worked well together. I guess just for me, it just felt more like, it felt too written through. Like mm-hmm. I, I, like they're both good t- storytellers, but there was no point where I felt like they weren't like running through this course. There wasn't like this feeling of unpredictability where I know something could change or like oh, like like how you were saying like yes enough for you, maybe like there was points where you know you thought Jericho's going to win out of nowhere and Naito versus Jericho. I felt like there's points where I felt like Kenny I didn't feel that way. Okay. I, I was losing that. I felt like, you feel like there's such jaded? a story written throughout this. Do you feel like you were jaded, though, at that point? or like Am I being just... a jaded fan? <laughs> we're like, God damn it, I didn't want to see this match. I, just, I know what's going to happen. There could have been such a better match. I felt eyes. like it was a damn good match. I, I get what you're saying, but I just felt, I felt like it was a damn good match. Mm. Um, am I happy with the outcome? No. I get it. Now knowing what's kind of going on behind the scenes, why they made the mm. choice that they did, um, but I don't see Tanahashi holding the belt for long. No, you know I feel like he's gonna really end up being like a transitional like champion. You know, 
it is what it is. But I think it was their nod to like, you know, purists, like, you know, hardcore New Japan mm-hmm. fans who've been with them, you know, since like the heyday of Tanahashi. So, um, which is okay, which is okay. Um, you know, with, you know, everything coming out, mm-hmm. you know, the couple days afterwards, <laughs> I was like, all right, that this makes sense. So, um, but I understand what you're saying. I definitely, because I was disappointed too when he won the G1 and, you know, it was like, okay, this is not what I want to see. You know, I want to see Coda in this spot. Mm-hmm. You know, I want Kenny versus Coda. <laughs> um, so, which we didn't get, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? Do you feel like we'll get a rematch at any point, you know, with the news of Kenny not being with New Japan anymore? At, at least not for a good while. Okay. Give it a year. Almost a year. Yeah. We'll and we'll, we'll get into that, you know, more speculation in a little bit. But mm. so, okay. Overall, what would you rate this? The I show? mean, overall, I still give it a four because I still enjoyed myself all the way through. Um, yes. You yeah. Know, it could have it, it could have been a five if everything had more time, if uh, every character really got to shine in some way. But if every match just had like an extra five to ten minutes, absolutely, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I felt like, you know, some matches felt flat just because of, like, knowing the outcome. You know, knowing that, you know, mm-hmm. you know a lot of the elite guys were leaving. Um, I think it kind of took a spark away from some of the matches. Um, and then just the fact that the time, the time I felt like hurt it. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of, not a lot of the matches went over uh, 10 minutes. Most of them were in, like, that, you know nine to like 14 minute realm um so that's i don't know i don't know the the kenny and the tanahashi match went 40 minutes so i mean that was the longest match of the night rightfully so mm-hmm. but even uh naito and jericho were, was 22 minutes so but that works for that style of match so because that was just the barn burner so um but yeah yeah um overall i, I gotta agree with you i, I gotta give it a four you know, it was a quality show and everything. It just, I think I was expecting more. You know, I was expecting more classics to come from this. Mm. So, and I felt like we saw, it was a nice, like, I don't know, showcase show for, you know, you know, for new fans and everything. And they, I mean, they did crazy numbers on this. They, um, they broke their um, attendance record. Oh, okay. Um, so, and I don't know what subscription wise they mm. did, but I mean. If, if their attendance record is going to dictate anything, I, I feel like they probably, you know, had a huge subscription bump because of this. Because last year they had a crazy subscription bump with uh, Jericho and mm-hmm. everything that happened. So, you know, I mean, great for New Japan. And they, there was a bunch of big announcements that came out of the show, too. Yes. Um, we've got, um, they, they're actually going to be kicking off the G1 in the States. Which I think is nuts. Yeah. It's great for us because what we were complaining about was like a lot of those shows stateside felt like glorified house shows. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome that they're finally going to give us something that seems like it's going to actually matter. You know, the start of the G1. Um, they're going to be doing a couple more shows to stateside that they've announced so far. Um, and they're going to be actually going to be, uh, they're going to be in Great Britain. Yes. Too. So, and I'm sure that's probably where Sabre will be um, defending his title. And he kind of talked about it in a press conference afterwards that he wants to get to that Great Britain um, show as the champion. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's in for a long run with that belt. Um, 
So, I don't know. So there's I'm some... used to Saber having a title around him, so... Yes, right. <laughs> um, but, so, I mean, there's big things on the horizon for New Japan, um, even with all the news that came out with All Elite Wrestling. Yes. You know? It's been a big week for them. Yes, it has been. And uh, there was a meeting that, you know, was heavily, like, talked about, you know, um, the day before um, it came out that they were going to be meeting with um, All Elite um, was meeting with New Japan and ROH, um, having the big like sit down powwow, um, you know. And right away, I'm thinking, oh, they're figuring out how they're all going to work together. Mm-hmm. But then it came out that New Japan is not willing to work with all elites right now. That they're willing to keep their working agreement with ROH, but for now at least, they they're not willing to kind of you know do the same. And I think that's uh, rumored to at least be going on until. The Madison Square Garden show. Oh, really? I did yes. not hear that. So they're saying that what at the Madison Square Garden show that, that at actually... least their negotiations with ROH are up until then. Oh, with ROH, yes. I thought like oh, you're saying, I thought you were saying that at Madison Square Garden mm. that might open up and change where they'd be willing to work. Well, with maybe they'll be discussing a different plan with ROH at that point. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm really surprised by this, and I feel like. I don't know. I don't think it's the way to go about this. No, but I could see it in their minds, them wanting to be more independent on their own. I don't... I mean... I just feel like exposure is exposure. Yeah. You know, and why, you know, I mean, at least stateside, you know, I mean, besides like Jericho and everything, I think what brought a lot of eyes to the product was, you know, the Elite's crew. Mm -hmm. So why, you know kind of get away from that like what's the point i don't see how it benefits them not working with them so um i don't know maybe they see it as a threat to their talent having them work too much having mm. them outside of the country too often but they're still doing those they're doing those shows though so you could have all the talent but do you think maybe like after this year they'll start trying to work towards grounding more of these talent in one place it might also be a possibility too of them wanting to see how all elite does yeah. you know um you know are they looking are they viewing them as you know direct competitors or are they you know like okay well let's see we don't want like if it's going to be a shit show we don't want any part of it mm-hmm. you know because they did i mean we had okada on in all in you know, I mean, you had workers, you know, working. There seemed to be a good working agreement. I don't know why that would necessarily change unless it was, you know, money. And it sounds like um, it might have cost them Omega. You mm-hmm. know, Omega was going into the meeting thinking that they could work something out, that he could possibly work for both companies. And once it came out that, you know, New Japan wasn't really willing to play ball, he was he announced directly the next day that he was done with new japan um that being said we don't know where he's going mm-hmm. um i don't know if that's going to sway his opinion away from ollie and he's going to end up going to wwe i don't foresee that you know especially after watching you yes, know and- the in the elite mm-hmm. you know they teased his phone out there and uh, you know he lost his phone and then they find it at the spot um you know where they made the announcement for all elite and it's ticking so I feel like it's obviously, you know, leading up to him announcing that he's part of, you know, all elite. And maybe maybe con- contractually, like, he can't announce where he's going 
until his contract that's is true. done with. You know, that's just me mm. speculating. <laughs> I have no idea if that's it makes true sense or not. though. But when you hear all these rumors about WWE throwing literally the book and all the money that they mm-hmm. can at Omega, and he hasn't because originally too they were saying that they're giving him like creative control. Yes. Which it came out that's not the case. Because mm. um, I can't imagine McMahon <laughs> giving creative control to anyone. Um, God knows. I mean, Stone Cold didn't even have creative control. Mm. I mean, he had a lot of say. Don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, man. I mean, that's crazy. It, it, it's a crazy time in wrestling. It really is. And then we had the uh, All Elite press conference. Yes. Um, what did you think of the press conference? Did you watch the whole thing? Or did you I didn't finish highlights? it, but I, I, I saw a good amount of it. And I saw a lot of the highlights, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with you know, uh, Paige going up against Pac and everything. and That was huge. Mm-hmm. Now that Pac is now part, now, formerly known as Neville, is now part of all of these. I don't like the name Pac. I hate saying it. Pac? Yeah. I don't know why. I feel like he I thought he was, at first when I read it, I thought it was Puck. Um, <laughs> which I thought would have been cool, you um, know, being, you know, an Alpha Flight fan, fan you know, so. But, uh, I get Pac works. It's, it's okay. Fine. Is it really that? It's, it's mean, not the end of the world. Actually, yes. I'm just saying my stance on his yes, name. Yes, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, he just doesn't look like a devil mm. to me. So, um, not at least this carnation of his character. So, um, who else was uh, now officially uh, part of it? Joey Janelli. Um, SoCal, right. SoCal, uncensored. Mm. Um, you know, they say Brandy's going to be a part of it, but... And they announced a women's division. Yes. So that's cool. Um, who else was there? Uh, we know Billy Gunn is going to be producing. Mm-hmm. Or it's I'm hoping they pick up women from uh, Impact as well. I hope they like can poach from them. Well, Impact actually came out. Um, they weren't invited to the meeting. Oh. <laughs> but they were <laughs> apparently like, hey, over here, we're willing to work with you. <laughs> so um, they, they, I don't know if it was uh, through a press release or whatever, but it came out that they are definitely willing to work with them, mm-hmm. which is good news it makes sense for impact and i feel like it would totally make sense for the elite yeah. you know so and they've got some really good talent over there so why the fuck not right mm-hmm. um and, and it kind of goes back to what like cody and the bucks were talking about there's no reason why these companies can't work together it has worked in the past during the time when like wrestling was re- regional yes. you know so you had a lot more like crossovers and everything like that you know, I, I was saying, I think last episode would be cool to see, like, a situation where you have, like, you know, the NWA title kind of float between all the groups and mm-hmm. everything. And that being, have, like, the main, like, heavyweight belt where you have, like, someone, like, maybe, like, you know, Omega who can go and cross-promote and everything like that. And you have your, you know, individual groups, you know, champion and everything like that. But then you also have this, like, prestigious belt that kind of, like, travels the world mm-hmm. and everything. It works all these different companies. Um you know, but that's so much politics. I don't think anyone's willing to, you know, go through that again. Yeah. You had a whole like board of people who would vote on the champion and everything back then. It was insanity. So people's lives were threatened. It's just craziness. So I don't know if we'll get back there. It's a different time. It's a di- it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then we had, and we talked about it before, we have Jericho announcing that he's actually officially part of all elite that's been heavily rumored from the get-go i'm sure jr once his contract is up he will make his announcement also um what do you think about jericho being with him and now you were saying that you heard that his contract is open 
Um, yeah, I heard rumors about his contract being open so that he'd be, be able to work with um, New Japan because he, he still really wants to work with them. But yeah, if there's negotiations I haven't seen that closed like that, I don't know. Yeah, and he did, um, during the press conference, he said that he's not done um, with New Japan and that he wants to actually um, challenge uh, Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. So, which I think would be an awesome match. Um, I'd love to see it. But now with everything that's going on, you know, after that meeting, I don't know if it's going to happen. I know probably the people that are heads of the AEW will probably want to hold on to Jericho as much as possible. They're going to do whatever they can and bend over backwards to make mm. him happy. So, um, yeah. And he's he's promoting them through the roof. Uh, recently, he said, you know, the TV deals that they're getting, like if they if he didn't see these TV deals on the line, he wouldn't be supporting them as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's. I heard rumors of TNT and yeah, you know, um, which would be hilarious if you know TNT ends up with wrestling again. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of strong rumors that a lot of networks are very interested mm-hmm. in all elite wrestling. It makes sense because it's all about content nowadays. Um, you know, we saw what kind of contract fucking SmackDown gained mm-hmm. from you know garnered from Fox. So. Um, you know, and a lot of networks were super impressed with like the numbers that All In did. So I, I, I can't imagine there not being interest in mm. them right now and seeing how they're basically, you know, homegrown. You know, they've really, it's been a grassroots campaign yeah, for them and but they've done everything. Not themselves. only that, but there's also now such a backer who has more money than Vince. Yes. You know, absolutely. Going at this and yeah. fully invested. I mean, it's his son who's the. A uh, fucking director of the show, pretty now, much. Now, hopefully this isn't, like, you know, the son just getting, like, a, <laughs> a new car or something yeah. like that. And he then seems once to he's be disinterested, into he's, like, uh, whatever. But I guess he's always been a hardcore wrestling yeah. fan and everything. I just hope he knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have the boxes, executive yes. pres- vice presidents, and Cody, um, you know, which is, which is good. I, it's just going to be interesting to see, like, how they book themselves mm-hmm. in the promotion. I don't, I don't feel like they'd overbook themselves. I'm not saying that. It's just going to be a weird dynamic, like, knowing that they are executives. Are they going to be wrestling as much? Like, that, you know, obviously everyone knows that they're also in charge. You know, so what's that going to look like? I mean, do they give it a... Or do they go kayfabe and pretend that they're not in charge? And, <laughs> you know. I can see them doing that, but at the same time, I could... I could totally have them because you know, they're being, an open book usually. So <laughs> being that um, authority type group, are they heels? Yeah, because whenever you have an authority group, they've got to be heels. Right? They can all work heel. Yeah. Well, no, I agree with that, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting time in wrestling. That's mm. for sure. Um, but hopefully, awesome things are going to come out of it. Uh, we also had the rumor that uh, Kushida is going to also be leaving. Yes. Um, we don't know if it's for All Elite Wrestling or if it's for WWE. WWE is strongly rumored right now. Yes. So he'll probably be doing the job on 205 Live shortly. <laughs> so. <laughs> you know it's true. 205. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That would be like, Okada's just walk by. He's just... Yes. Oh, God. Five. Oh. oh. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> He'll look great on NXT. He would look great on NXT. 
He would. Um, we'll see. We'll see. They they seem to be trying to like really you know pump up two hundred five live though, so I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. But you could also like once once again, I was saying this off mic where I feel like that title, the cruiserweight belt, should be defended on two hundred or on NXT. Mm-hmm. Like I'd like to see crossovers between the pro, and I feel like they have done things in the past. But I would like to see instead of being on the main rosters pay per views, I would much rather to see it like on like takeovers. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like that's the right place for it. So, but you're bringing up the whole, you know, theory that it's really just a built-in break for everyone. Oh yeah, it's... which is just horrible to think. You know, they have a show, a weekly show that's basically based around just giving people a break during their main pay-per-views. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I know, but I hate it. <laughs> oh, wrestling. Well, before we close wrestling, I just want to say I don't know how I feel about. Um, there be takeovers for the UK show, separate from the main takeovers for NXT. But it's a separate show. It is a separate show, but it's like at this point, it's so much going on. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot, and I feel like just give me a couple more hours onto the takeover, and we can cover all. Yeah, but you know what? I feel like that kills the charm of the takeover show. Like, what's great about those takeover shows is like they're three hours. You're done. Like, it's like five, six matches, tops, and then you're out. You know, where I feel like if you bring in, you know, one, I feel like it might be look making them look like the little fish. You know, which they are. But, like, you know, having them just kind of, like, opening up, like, like takeover shows, I think, I don't know. Well, I, I would almost want it to be, like, it's how SmackDown and Raw are put on one pay-per-view. Yeah. Just back and forth. I think they're trying to really, like corner that market mm-hmm. you know in england and you might not give them their own show and their own little takeover you know it's not like I, the production value is not even like what you know i feel like nxt is at right now um you know and let them kind of gain their own fan base because they've got i mean they've got their own fucking network mm-hmm. and they need content so i wouldn't be surprised if you see another like nxt group come from you know a different mm-hmm. region of the world so well, I know that I'll be watching uh, NXT TakeOver UK this okay. weekend. Okay, and I have not watched any of the actual I shows, haven't either. But I will definitely be checking it out. I do love also. Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley, so I'll, I'll be checking it out. All right. So, and the, the whole theme of this week's yes. episode is a year-end review. So we would be remiss not to do a year-end review for wrestling. But we've got a lot of different categories <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> What this did was we actually, do to ourselves? This was actually a <laughs> lot more uh, difficult for me than our entertainment, uh, mm. you know, uh, section of the show. So, um, so I, much I, so I, that he took his top five and made it a top ten. Yeah, fuck that shit. That top, <laughs> top five was way too difficult when it came to wrestlers. So we did expand. I cheated a little. Uh-huh. You know, I went heel. <laughs> on the show. On the show. On my own show. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so let's go ahead and start it off. Um, top five matches of the year. Now we're just going to do our top five each individually, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to alternate, correct? Nah. Okay. All right. All right. So, Christian, I will give you the ball first. Okay. Well, my top five matches, right, first? Yes. Top five matches. My top five matches. Number five, I started off with Cody Ibushi versus Kenny Omega at uh, G1. Damn good pick. <laughs> Damn good pick. It was a really good match, but and it felt like the start of what we could have got at fucking. 
like I had wanted. So but, did you put that pick in just to bitch more about Wrestle Kingdom, Christian? Maybe. Who knows? Um, next, I like I, it. <laughs> next, I had um, Ciampa versus Gargano at the Chicago Street Fight um, NXT Takeover Chicago Two. Oh, interesting. Okay, uh, that was my favorite of all their matches together so far. So I, that's it was. Uh, now that was the match where Gargano loses because he's handcuffed, right? Um, or no, Ciampa's handcuffed. Ciampa's handcuffed, but he surprisingly um, gets the um, through the rope DDT. Oh, that's right. Onto okay. the wood planks of the uh, mat. Which I'm not sure why that would hurt more. But anyway, no. I, I It was a damn good match. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Either way, it was a surprise ending out of nowhere. Because you thought for sure at this point, Joppa yes. was done. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. He was like dead at that, that point. That whole crowd is completely shocked. Oh, God. That's when Ciampa threw the fucking ring, too, mm-hmm. right? His wedding ring. He like spit on it. Yes. Right? Damn good heel. Damn good heel. <laughs> um... Next, I have Velveteen Dream versus Ciampa, which was one of my favorite matches of the year. Uh, that was the last takeover, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Right? And sometimes I get a little... Mi- yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the last one. Yeah, I believe you're right. I believe you're right. That's when Dream came out as NWO Hogan? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just I can't get enough of Velveteen Dream at this point. I, I, every time he has a match at takeover, it just feels like... This is like big match Velveteen Dream. That's for me. No, I agree. Uh, I, I agree. I just I'm I'm terrified that they're gonna call him up too early. I want him to at least you know get a belt hmm. on that show, carry it for another year, and then get called up. I feel like he needs another year, um, you know, to just develop a little more. Um, you know, not that he couldn't do well now if he got called up. I just feel like I'm worried that the main roster will eat him alive. Yeah. Um, I just feel like more experience will help him. Well, I don't know if it's the caliber of superstars that he'd be going up against on the main roster. I just don't think that they book him whatsoever. Well, that's definitely most of it. Um, But I feel like the more experience he can get, Mm -hmm. the better, you know, as a wrestler. Because he's still so young. And right now, he's in a setting where... He has time to put his matches together, everything. Mm-hmm. Where if you're wrestling every fucking night, you don't have that. And you know, he's obviously shown that he can learn on the fly, and that he's a you know a great student. Um, so I'm sure he'll thrive. But I just I worry about him just getting eaten up by the main roster mm-hmm. right now. So I would just love to see him gain more of a footing, more of even a bigger following than he already has, mm-hmm. which he's got a huge buzz around him. But where they just can't deny him. You know, when he walks in the door, he's already just a huge star. So, um, that's my concern. So, but anyway. <laughs> Fantastic match, though. <laughs> uh, next, I have Becky Lynch versus Charlotte at Evolution. Damn straight. Yes. And last but not least, I have Kenny versus Okada at Dominion. Wait a second. Are you, you going to say anything about Becky versus Charlotte? Is, <laughs> is there anything I need to say? That's just a fucking perfect match. It was almost number one. It it's a damn good match. It really is. But I think um, just the overall excitement I had for Kenny winning is the reason why it ended up being number one. Oh, that, I I agree 100%. <laughs> I agree 100%. And I would actually probably end the show if you did not pick that as number one. <laughs> <laughs> and try to find a new podcasting partner. So, because to me, that's probably one of the best matches in at least... If not the ten, last, like, 10 years, mm-hmm. the last 20 years, like, it's 
one of my top matches of all time at this point. So, um, which I totally am spoiling my number one, pick, <laughs> but whatever. So, um, so my top five matches of the year, and this was a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, I went back and forth on this much, and I want to go back and forth right now, but we're not going to stop the show. <laughs> Um, get it out, man. Number get five. <laughs> number five is Becky versus Charlotte at, at Evolution. Evolution. Okay. Um, I feel like this was the match that proved it. Not that they needed to prove it any further, but proved it to McMahon that they could main event mm-hmm. WrestleMania. I feel like this was really Becky coming into her own, you know, as a character. Um, you know, even though she was super over at this point. You know, I felt like this really showed everyone, you know, who Becky Lynch is and what she's capable of. Exactly. And this was just Charlotte doing what Charlotte does, you know, which is stealing the fucking show. Um, to so a degree. This, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you love Charlotte. Um, but in this should have been the main event. I understand why it wasn't the main event, but I felt like this completely, mm. like, you know, really just captured the whole night, you know, in one match. Um, you know, I, we were really worried about evolution, um, you know, when it was like how it was being promoted and everything like that. Um, but this, I mean, God, this really, you know, it was it was a feel good night. You know, it was one of my pa- favorite pay-per-views of the year. But um, this match is probably one of the reasons why. No, I think this is kind of like this match was like the end of the kickoff point for what we have now. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Where the women are pretty much dominating all of wrestling. Yes, I agree. And they're the, they're the main storyline, mm. and rightfully so. You know, They're the characters we're most invested in right now. So, And I feel like this kind of really woke up the McMahons. Um, so, yes. So, Becky versus Charlotte. Just um, Stephanie in the back saying, see? Yes. See? <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, I have Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan Survivor Series. Um I really, really enjoyed this match. I did not know what to expect. This mm-hmm. came right after Daniel Bryan's heel turn. Um, the way the match started, it really played with everyone's emotions. So it was perfect because right away, Lesnar started to dominate and everyone was kind of like, oh, not this again. Yeah. But then Daniel Bryan goes on this fucking epic comeback and you believe like through this entire <laughs> match that Lesnar's going to tap out, Lesnar's going to lose. Um and, you know, in the long run, Lesnar went over, but it helped build Daniel Bryan as a heel, where the next night he went out there and he used this match and how it was paced as his setup for his character, talking about, like, how he came to a point where the old Daniel Bryan died and the new Di- Daniel Bryan came out during this fucking match, um, which I thought was perfect. You know, mm-hmm. It was a match that he's been thinking about for years, and it didn't disappoint. So I really dug this match, and it really felt like it came out of nowhere, because it did. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the entire month, we thought yes, we were getting AJ, AJ Styles versus Lesnar, which would have been a great match. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I don't know if it would have been this, though. No, no. And I think it was just the right place and the right time mm-hmm. with Daniel Bryan and his character. You know, I don't know if we had, you know, this match two months prior where Daniel Bryan was as a character. It would have been the same effect, mm-hmm. but this this was just phenomenal, so... Uh, my next match is Kirimu versus uh, Ishimori 
at uh, Best of Super Juniors Finals. That's great, because that's my honorable mention. Yes. I almost made my list. <laughs> and we didn't do the honorable mentions, but whatever. I, I figured we'd save it for the end. Okay, okay, whatever, man. Of each section. We obviously don't produce the show. <laughs> <laughs> we turn on the mic and we go. Yes, um, that absolutely was one of my favorite matches of the year. Yes. Um, the... Uh, Herta Karana, like down the stairs. Yes. Um, everything Walking outside through. of the ring was fantastic. Um, this was me, my first, I think this might have been my the first time I saw Ishimori, mm-hmm. you know, wrestle. So, and it was just eye opening. So, um, these were just, you know, two phenomenal ta- talents at their best. Um, it's just so heartbreaking what happened with Hiramu, yes. you know, this year, and hopefully he's able to recover and everything. But, this was a fantastic match, um, you know, and made me super excited for Ishimori, you know, especially now that he's mm-hmm. carrying that belt with him um, for what's to, you know, to come in like New Japan. So um, my next uh, pick is Champa versus Gargano at NXT Takeover New Orleans. Okay, so that's why I was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was specific because I knew which one made yes, me pop. Yes, and I almost wanted to cheat and just do all three. <laughs> <laughs> and just pick all three, but I was like, okay, now I gotta pick one. And I think it's just because of that scene where he's using the fucking uh, leg, the knee brace mm-hmm. uh, to do the cross yes. face and everything. That just, you know, stole it. That me. better be in the advertisements for this. Oh, it will be. Don't <laughs> we'll use it to promote it. That's so. a classic image at this point. It is. It is. Um, this was such a well put together match, and I mean, just was one of the highlights of an epic feud. Which mm-hmm. was probably my feud of the year. We didn't do a category for feud of the year, no. but um, was probably my feud of the year. So I mean, just you anticipate every time these guys are across the ring from each other. So, um, and last but not least, Okada versus Omega, two out of three falls, Dominion. Yes, it had great callbacks to all their like mm-hmm. you know epic matches prior. Um, you know, that helped really like, you know, just, you know, kickstart that anticipation throughout the entire fucking match. They went, I think they went 65, 70 minutes yes. in this match, which is just epic. Um, but everything about this match felt epic yeah, know, I, from start to finish. And even like before that, though, there was this air of, well, at least for me, could Omega actually win or not? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at Wrestle Kingdom, that's when you thought. You know, that's going to be the end of the story. Well, I, that's going to be start of Omega's run. And then we'll get the rematch at Dominion. Well, this was right after two when Okada uh, defeated Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. So it felt like Okada was just kind of like cleaning up like loose ends. Yes. So, you know, I was scared. Like it felt like too soon for them to have a rematch. And I was scared that Omega was just another loose end. Yeah. So it was such a huge surprise to see Omega come up on top. But it was a fantastic moment. It was it, it was definitely up there with like moments of the year, mm. which we'll get into in a little bit for me. Um, you know, so but that is like I said, it's one of my favorite matches of all time. You know, let alone of the year. So it was a no brainer for me at number one. All right. Well, speaking of moments, Christian, what were your top five moments of the year? Um, some of these are grander. Some of these are smaller. Um, starting off with a grand one was Royal Rumble twenty eighteen. Uh, just in general, just having fucking Oscar win and having um, Nakamura Nakamura win, I was like shaking because uh-huh. I was that excited by this. They actually gave us something we wanted. Exactly. 
Yes, yes. Uh, I, I have the fucking... So uh, even though how it ended up was horseshit, it doesn't yeah. matter to you? I'm saying at the moment... Yes. You know, we're talking about moments, moments. here. Uh-huh. I was just fucking like so hyped. You know, we just got Ronda's pretty much big coming out of joining the WWE. Uh, it was just... It, I felt like the perfect combination of everything going on. Mm. Now, I thought the Women's Royal Rumble could have been a little bit better. You liked it a little bit more than I did. But... I still think the the outcomes, the moments that are in the matches were so fucking phenomenal, mm. and it was really one of my pay per views of the entire year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I was that. at a whole new level of like actually enjoying WWE for a moment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it and, was tricky though around this time. Yes, Road to WrestleMania, man. <laughs> they, they it's when they sure decide to actually to... put on a good show. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, well, what's your next moment? Uh, my next moment was. The rope hung DDT by um, Chapa to um, Gargano. Oh, no. Because that just, I was totally at, like, shocked by that. I did mm-hmm. not see it coming. Um, I was expecting Gargano to win. I was like, oh, this is finally, you know, Gargano's getting on top. We're moving forward. And then Chapa just fucking ends the match. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in, a bru- in brutal fashion. Yes. Um, number three for me was Asuka climbs the ladder and becomes women's champion. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not see that one coming. Yeah. Uh, I had no sight for a long time of her ever becoming champion. Oh, you yeah. thought she was done for. It's just for a while. Not, I mean, at this I match, mean, I don't blame you. I mean, the way she was being booked the yeah. last, you know, after her feud with Carmella, she kind of disappeared, so. Exactly. At this match, you know, I was... We were predicting that she was going to win, but that's because of the culmination of events and what's going on with um, Ronda and everything between Charlotte and Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we predicted, but you know, everything the way that they treated her all year long after the fucking loss at WrestleMania. They forgot just, about her. Yeah. They literally forgot about her. So this her. was such a huge, like, even though I fucking knew what was going to happen, predicted it, saw it. What was great about the moment to me, what too, was like no matter how over Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair mm-hmm. was, they were still 100% behind Asuka. Yes. You know, even prior to the match when they were trying to figure out who would, you know, possibly be part of it, um, the fans, you know, and that's kind of, I think when uh, Becky was looking for a replacement for herself um, versus uh, Ronda at yes. Survivor Series, what kind of opened McMahon's eyes to Asuka again was hearing the fans' reaction to her when she, like, kind of... they had you. I don't know if you remember, they had yeah, the line, they had up, the line and up and everything. But Asuka ballistic. Yes, for Asuka. So they were still behind Asuka. So no matter how hard McMahon tried to bury her, <laughs> the crowd was still yes. into her. Um, so it was great to see them actually recognize that for once. And it gave me a little faint glimmer of hope. They, you know, mm. well, maybe they are listening. Maybe they do care. Um, so we'll see what happens with her title win, but it was quite a moment. I agree. Yes. Um, I have the smack talk from Becky Lynch throughout her entire <laughs> birth of the man and everything. I've been like following the Twitter account, watching every little thing. It's mm. just gotten me so much more invested in wrestling this year. I, I can't like believe this character could just draw me back in so much it's more. a great use of social media yes to you know uh get that buzz going you know even though i feel like they're not giving her enough mic time on the show itself no. even that but, backstage like exclusive that i just shared on facebook yes. was fucking phenomenal and i was like why was this on the actual mm-hmm. show because i feel like they're having him her in these like 
mixed promos where she's having to talk over people and everything. It's just not the right spotlight for her. They need to let her be in the middle of the ring and just let her cut her mm-hmm. own promo. Um, you know, she's having to fight for everything still, and maybe that will just, you know, build that, you know, chip on her shoulder more. Yes. Um, but yeah, like when, when I saw that backstage promo that she did, you know, for, you know, I don't, it was the SmackDown after show, whatever the hell they call it nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, my thoughts exactly were like, why wasn't this on the main show? You know, because it was a great promo, and she, She's one of the best promos out there and everything, and that's one of the reasons why she's so over it. I think one of the things we didn't talk about was that you stated that they're uh, doing promos now with just bullet points. Yes, well, one thing that is supposed to be coming because of the fresh start, mm. quote-unquote, um, is that they're actually going to start letting, I don't know if this is everyone, but they're going to start letting wrestlers go out there with just bullet points, what they used to do in the past during the like Attitude mm. Era. And... Um, you know, allow them to just kind of go off cuff. Now, um, if it's people like Nia Jax, I don't know how far she can go with just bullet points. Oh, there's going to be some sloppy bullshit because these guys aren't used to it mm-hmm. a lot of times, but I think you're already seeing, like, um, Daniel Bryan's promo um, felt like very much him, you know, mm-hmm. his voice. And one of the problems with a lot of these scripted promos, you know, the, the way they're speaking is so unhuman-like. It's like no one would ever say yes. that. It doesn't make any sense. It feels so scripted. Um, you know, like the wrestlers are literally getting suffocated by the words, like their characters are dying right in front of us because these awfully worded promos that they're having to do every week. Um, it's a way to let the wrestlers interject their own personality into these, you know, characters. So hopefully, it's something that even Reigns needed. Yes, I agree. I agree. So hopefully, you know, McMahon keeps it up. If it's true, you know, Mm. it's just a rumor. But hopefully McMahon really allows these wrestlers to, you know, take those bullet points and, you know, go into... I feel like it'll allow them to be more invested in their characters, too. Um, You know, and really just, like, they won't be able to hide behind, oh, it's the script anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, no, it's on you. You know, yeah, you've got to get these points across, but it's really you selling that character, so... Um, but we'll see what to, what's yes. to come from that. Right. But and I to, feel like Becky's definitely going to be one who benefits from that. Absolutely. So. And to you know, close out my list, your new heavyweight champion, Omega, for Dominion, was mm-hmm. my last favorite moment. Absolutely. For all the things that we talked about before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My top five moments of the year. Um, number five was the Women's Royal Rumble match. Um, which was funny that you brought yes. up the Women's <laughs> Rumble. I thought it was a great showcase for the women and everything. I was concerned about the match just because it's a hard match to pull off and everything. And, you know, a lot this would be their first experience in mm-hmm. there, you know, and it could be a clusterfuck, um, you know, because the guys' Royal Rumble match can be a clusterfuck at times. Yes. So, but this was well done. Um, this is a great way to to have like a passing of the torch moment like between a lot of like you know the legends in the business and pay their respects but then also like showcase the newer talent and everything um i you know and it was just such a great moment with asta you know winning the rumble you know they didn't throw in a weird you know you know smudge at the end that you know just took you out of with like carmella winning you know we would eventually get that uh (laughs) But, you know, they did what, you know, they stayed the course. They gave us the matchup we wanted at WrestleMania. It seemed like they were there to please the fans, you know. 
I mean, it just made sense storyline wise. Crazy, right? <laughs> but it was it was such a fun match and mm. so entertaining, and it just I feel like it was one of those stepping stones to what I believe is going to happen this year, which you know was possibly the women actually headlining WrestleMania yes. finally. So um, my next moment was Daniel Bryan's heel turn. What I loved about this moment was it came out of nowhere. It was completely unpredictable. Um, it was the middle of the match with AJ Styles, which we, you know, it was mm. actually a rematch um, between him and AJ Styles. Um, it just was the last couple minutes of the match. All of a sudden, you know, Dan O'Brien decided to kick AJ Styles in the balls while the referee was down, um, you know, and he got all demented, you know, and started beating the shit out of him after he got the pin. Um, I didn't see it coming. That's what I love about wrestling. I love those unpredictable yes. moments. And I feel like since Daniel Bryan has turned heel, SmackDown's been a better show because of it. So it's one of my top favorite moments of the year. Um, and I feel like it's a moment that, you know, people will remember for a long time. Um, next up is Kenny Omega wins the title. So, um, you know, the match, once again, one of my favorite matches of yes. all time. Um, but it was great for Kenny to finally get his hands on that belt and everything. And it was also a nice moment too, because it was kind of that whole, I don't know, final chapter between like the tension with the young bucks and him and everything like that, yes. which was actually one of the better storylines of the year, even though it was something that they just totally booked on their own, you know, everything that was going on with the elite and everything like are the bucks with Cody are the bucks with Kenny and everything like that. That was the moment where the golden elite came, you know, to be, which really didn't matter, you know, mm. didn't really seem like it was, you know, him and Coda and, you know, them didn't make much sense together. But I mean, it was a good moment regardless. So, um, you know, it, just good storytelling and everything like that. I, it's still the moment when um, the uh, ref goes to hand him the title and then he like hugs the bucks instead, you know. Which at the time kind of like burned me. I, I was like, well, that was weird, you know, but <laughs> I get it oh. now, storyline wise. I understand why that moment was there, you know. So, um, my next moment is Becky invades Raw. So, yes, I, I to me, even more so than their match at Evolution, Becky Lynch going on Raw putting fucking Rousey in a fucking armbar, then coming out by herself, mm -hmm. you know, at least we think, walking down the ramp, and talking shit to a whole ring full of raw, you know, women wrestlers was phenomenal. Yes, And absolutely. even with the moment of her getting stiffed by Nia Jax in the ring, her getting her face fucking broken, and still being able to swing that chair and, you know, keep her wits about her and, you know, finish the whole, you know, angle was phenomenal. And her going up, marching up those fucking stairs, turning around and talking shit still with that bloody fucking face. I feel like that's a classic moment right yes. there. You know, that's a moment that, you know, goes in all your fucking like promo packages for years to come. So, um, you know. I, if they weren't afraid of blood, I'd want that in the intro. Yes. Every show. Yes. You know, <laughs> and I think that's the only reason why they haven't been mm -hmm. using it. I feel like they might actually break the rule just for that moment. So, um, but just a phenomenal moment. Um, and just, you know, one of the reasons where, why Becky is where she's at right now. Um, next up, and I, back to that moment quickly before I move on. Yes. I feel like it was a case of once again, like, yeah, they kind of gave her some rope and like, here you go. But then she took that ball and she ran with it, you know, and like 
that wasn't planned. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't know she was going to get busted open. But I think she knew in her head how cool this fucking must look right now. <laughs> and she took it and she ran with it. Uh-huh. You know? And the crowd went fucking ape shit for it. You know? I mean, that was the only image you saw for the next week. Even yes. though we knew she was out of the Survivor Series because of the moment. I mean, that, that image is still everywhere. So you had artists doing, like, you know, oh, that's portraits and shit. Oh, I, yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm sure it's multiple people. So, um... My final moment, my top moment of 2018, all in. All in, okay. I went all in because it's going to change the business. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like it's a truly like revolutionary moment um, where the industry is going to change. For better or worse, we don't know where, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where it ends up, but I feel like it's going to force the WWE into actually competing again. Yes. I feel like it's going to give wrestlers another option, give, you know, fans another option. Um, States, I mean, New Japan's always been there, and that's not taking anything away from New Japan. But, you know, I feel like, you know, having this buzz around this product and doing what they did, which was just unheard of, you know, a year or two ago, to be able to sell out, you know, the Sears Center, um, to bring in that massive crowd, just on, like, you know social through social media and you know word of mouth and everything is just insane to think about um it really was and i mean the show was was great like i enjoyed a lot of the show Mm -hmm. but you know i feel like it was more about the moment itself and the, the success of what you know their careers have been up to that point and everything um you know that really sells it for me and it's gonna be the catalyst for you know you know, all I'm never going to forget the return of Joey Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I if I knew that was coming, I would have parked for all the seats. Day one. Oh, nothing like a whole parade <laughs> of giant penises, Christian. It's <laughs> a sell a show. Uh, but yeah, no, it was quite a show and it really, I think it was kind of a look into the future of what wrestling is going to end up being, um, you know, um, it seems like, you know, they're going to be for the fans. Um, and it feels like they're going to also at the same time be for the wrestlers, you know, and you know, like they've already talked about equal pay for all the Mm -hmm. wrestlers, um, Uh, healthcare, there was rumors of healthcare, which is insane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're going to be competitive with WWE when it comes to, like, offering contracts and everything. So right away, that's going to have to change, you know, Vinnie Mac's game up. So, um, you know, that he's going to have to start dealing with actual, like, sport agents, you know, when, you know, talking contracts with wrestlers and, you know, having to deal with someone else who actually has real money, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just, like, an opportunity to offer, but, like, no, this is guaranteed money. Um, So... We'll see. We'll see what happens. I expect some big names to start, yes. you know, jumping ship um, soon. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about some big names. Let's talk about our top wrestlers of the year. All right, uh, it's you're up, man. Yes, uh, top I'm, ten. <laughs> I'm not because it's a top ten. I'm not going to defend every single person. You don't have to defend anything. It's, I'm just saying fucking, it's your fucking list. <laughs> Who gives a shit what I think? <laughs> uh, number ten, Taji Ishimori. Big right. year for him. Uh, Okada was number nine. Jay White at number eight. Nice. Uh, Ciampa at number seven. 
Gargano at number six. Cody at number five. Whoa. So you put Gargano behind Cody. Yes. Now I'm asking you just a fact. <laughs> so is that just, is that, is that more of the outside of the ring? It's, yeah. Type because of, of the outside of the ring stuff that he was Everything working with. he's, yeah. Everything he's done. he's a great fucking entertainer. He is a great heel. He is a fantastic uh, heel. And he's put on good matches. Hmm. Don't get me wrong. And it, it doesn't help that I got to see him in person this year. Okay. So. You're such a mark. <laughs> well, seeing him put on this character and then also see him go out of his Spoilers, way. Spoilers, he's on my list too. It's okay. I get it. <laughs> go out of his way to fucking, you know, thank everyone for all in during that show and everything. Yes. Because uh, that was when they found out that the seats were sold out in the fucking day. Yeah. No, and I mean, he's doing his father proud, really. Yes. So, I mean, this is his his legacy. So, it's amazing. It was an amazing year for Cody Rhodes. Yes. So, all right. Uh, go ahead. Number four, Kota Ibushi. Number three, Seth Rollins. Number two, Kenny Omega. And number one, Becky fucking Lynch. Nice. <laughs> All right. Now, in for Becky. Yes. Because I really feel like, you know, for me, um, you know, her year didn't really start until yes. like the last four months, like the last quarter of the year, honestly. Um, is it just like the fact that she is just like the most over superstar regardless of what you know wwe wanted absolutely that she did it her you know on her own you know you (laughs) sit here every single week and hear me sigh and be as cynical as possible whenever we talk about wrestling Uh this is the first time especially in a while that i've been this invested and excited about any character Mm -hmm. in wwe and it's amazing because it's not something they booked exactly not something you know, yeah, they wanted her to turn heel, but they had no idea how over she was and how much those fans were going to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I mean, I do feel like, you know, part of it was the way that she turned heel and everything because it was a badass moment, but those that crowd went fucking ape shit for her when she did so and everything. And I feel like they kind of were taken aback by it. Um, I'm glad that they actually are letting her run with it. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm, so bravo for the WWE. And she's printing money. She, she is. She is. And she is their most over superstar right now. Mm. You know. Uh, all right. So that was your top ten list. Here's my top ten list. Uh, number ten, Ronda Rousey. I don't think anyone's had a better rookie year, mm. honestly. Um, you know, every ma- like I feel like she hasn't had a bad pay per view match. Um, and the fact that her first debut match was on the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania is pretty fucking impressive. And she didn't fuck it up. No, she didn't. And she, I mean, if you look at, you know, how she came into the WWE with, you know, that weird, awkward, like, rumble, you know, moments and everything with her just pointing the sign over and over again. Um, I was still hyped by everything else at the time. Yeah, it was still, it was, it was awkward. (laughs) And she still has those moments here and there. But I feel like she's come into her own Mm. with, like, you know, on the mic and then in the ring, man, she's a selling machine. You know, she really is. She's believable. Mm. And she just really, I mean, she makes that women's division feel authentic. Um, you know, and it feels like she's a serious threat, not only to the women, but to the men, too. I mean, that one of my top five moments, actually, one of my honorable mentions would have been when uh, Ronda started to beat the shit out of Triple H mm. in the Mania match. You know, because I just thought that was a classic moment. <laughs> it's right there. Um, so I, I just, I really, I'm super impressed with everything that she was able to do this year. Um, my number nine was Cody. 
Um, I don't think there was a better heel this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was unfortunate. He'd probably been a little higher on my list. I mean, when he started to promote All In, he ha- had to kind of pump the brakes on the whole heel persona, which I get, I understand. But, I mean, he was firing on all cylinders that first, like, six months of the year. He really was. So um, I really dug him. And just everything that he's done outside of the ring. Everything that he's accomplished, which we've talked about. Yes. That about. <laughs> um, number eight, Charlotte Flair. Um, I feel like there's not a better women's wrestler in the ring. She can do everything. She really can. Yeah, man. Sure. So... <laughs> I don't understand why you have a problem with Charlotte Flair. It's a little weird. Uh, it's a little weird, Christian. Uh, but she is one of the best, all, you know, well-rounded wrestlers. You know, not only women wrestlers, but just wrestlers in general. Every one of her matches has the capability of stealing the show. So um, that's my number eight. Um, next up is Okada. Um, every match he puts on is phenomenal yes you know he has to be on anyone's fucking even list. as this weird character that he's portraying yes and that's the only reason why he's so low on my list right now but i mean my god i mean the match he had with tanahashi the match he had with omega i mean in this ma- this past match it wasn't this year technically but mm. the match with jay white i mean just classic matches he's one of the best wrestlers in the world um no matter how he's booked so um next up is Chapo, just like cody you know, not a better heel. There's not a better heel. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything he's done, I talked about the moment where he took <laughs> Gargano's wedding ring and spit on it and threw it into the crowd. That, I've never seen shit like that before. You know, there's not a bigger heel move out there. So, um, and if they don't leash him when they bring him up, he'd be perfect for it. He'd be, he, I, I just, I'm afraid that I they're going to write see him. Brought him. Up. <laughs> It's going to happen. He's God too good to it. leave him down there. <laughs> I just feel like they wouldn't know what to do with him. No. They treat him like fucking Moondog Spot. He'll, oh. he'll be like Samoa Joe. Is what, is the I hope so. I hope so. He just doesn't have that size. I just hope McMahon respects him enough. His heel work and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't see this in you know him as a character. I didn't know he was capable of this heel work. Um, you know, the fact that, yes, and just him (laughs) coming out like for a while without any music Mm -hmm. and just to, you know, a whole just crowd booing to him, you know, that was the soundtrack for him as a wrestler. I thought that was, you know, great. Um, you know, I love the fact that he was refusing to sell shirts, um, even though everyone wanted the fucking shirt, you couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, I just loved how committed he was to being a heel, you know, and everything that he did in the ring with Gargano. With, with Dream, I mean, just classic matches. Mm. So, um, next up is Seth fucking Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a harder working wrestler this year than poor Seth Rollins. <laughs> he was a beacon of light in a dark, stormy, raw show. I could argue... That we had to deal with every. Fucking I'm not trying to derail wait. you, but okay. I could argue that Dolph Ziggler was equally as hardworking. <laughs> I to... do, because he had to wrestle Seth <laughs> yes. every fucking... But, I mean, I think he's been overexposed at this mm. point. I, I hope that doesn't hurt, you know, the push that he's going to be getting. Um, but, my God, he did not put on a, a bad match no. at all. I mean, he was the only thing worth watching for a long time on Raw. 
So, I mean, God bless Seth Rollins. <laughs> um, next up is Becky Lynch for everything you talked about and more. I mean, she is, you know, the most over wrestler in the world right now. Um, you know, and it's all her own doing. Mm. So, I mean, she's just on fire. And hopefully, you know, this wave, you know, carries her all the way to the main event of WrestleMania. So, um, next up is Will Ospreay. So, Will Ospreay is my number three. It's basically because I feel like he's going to, like, he's changing the game. Mm -hmm. I feel like he is the kind of wrestler that Rey Mysterio is, where he's so innovative and so different that wrestlers are going to be, you know, basically copying his style for years to come, right or wrong. <laughs> um, you know, where you're going to see this next level of, you know, you know, wrestling because of Osprey. You know, he's truly an innovator. Um, you know, just he doesn't have bad matches. No, he I just have matches. I just worry that you know, he can't keep doing this. I think he's I think he's selling a lot. I feel like he's he's learned to sell, and I yes. think he's really that's you understanding know, it. I'm worried about the actual <laughs> injury that will come. But I feel like you know, watching him and Coda, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like they worked a smarter match. Yes, that and, was and yes, and I feel like we're going to see a more mature Osprey. He's so young, mm -hmm. you know, for d doing what he's doing to be on the stage that he's at, you know at, and to be as you know influential as he is right now. Um, you know, is amazing. So, and I feel like we've only cracked the surface with him. So, I, I really, I'm looking forward to many, you know, mm. you know, years where you know Osprey is even higher on my list. So, um, hopefully, WWE does not get their hands on no, that. If anyone, I want <laughs> AEW way over. Oh my God. Um, next number two for me is Johnny Gargano. Once again, I've everything he you know, did every match that he was in, mm -hmm. you know, stole the show. They'll ruin him. So, oh, absolutely. They will. I, I, um, I have no, like, hope for him. I've got them. more hope for him than I do with Ciampa, though. I guess. Just because I could see Vince liking him as the ultimate baby face. But I'm not worried about him being called up mm. right now. I'm talking about his year right now. So his year has been just epic. He's been putting on five-star matches, you know, from the beginning of the mm. year to the end of the year. Um, you know, and not just against Ciampa, you know, against, you know, Aleister Black, you know, everyone that he's wrestled against, you know, has been just a classic. So it just shows once again that it's not about size. You know, mm -hmm. It's about heart. And, you know, that guy is all fucking heart. So, um, and number one is Kenny Omega, you know, basically for everything that I said about Gargano, <laughs> but just on a bigger stage. Yes. So, I mean, I, doing my top five wrestling matches list i had to like basically stop myself from just doing kenny omega matches kenny omega <laughs> just every match that he's had mm. you know this year that i've seen at least have just been great you know even the comedy matches i enjoy so um you know from you know the golden lovers versus the young bucks um you know from his match with fucking ishii mm. i mean he's had so many even against yano yes it's had so many classic matches mm. um i think you know, the only issue has been, and I think it's due to injury, that like the last couple months since he's won the title, he's kind of fallen off the board, which is weird, just because he's been working this program with Tanahashi, 
Um, you know, his Wrestle Kingdom has been, you know, set from the get-go. Um, and I, I think it's due to injury. So, but I mean, if you look at his first like nine months, I mean, I don't think there's been a better nine months of, you know, wrestling match quality wise. Mm. So, um, it, it's gotta be Omega for me. So, but that's my top 10 wrestlers. And it's a good list. With every good, there is also bad though. And we got a whole lot of fucking bad. <laughs> uh, but we, 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 might, we made it five only. Yes, which was hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start off with uh, my worst moments of the wrestling world. So, I mean, not worst moments, most disappointing moments. Okay. I I, I want to preface that because my number five starts off pretty low. It's not super like the end of the world. And it was Tanahashi wins the G1. (laughs) (laughs) We have a theme for a wrestling segment. (laughs) Christian hates Tanahashi. I don't hate Tanahashi. I'm totally getting you an ace shirt, man. <laughs> I'll, wear, I'll wear an ace shirt. <laughs> Just go ace on the front uh-huh. or whatever. Oh, um, God. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I just... It was just a disappointing end to the G1 for me. And it was a fantastic G1. Yes. It's just, we had so many predictions around fucking Kenny and... Uh, Koda. Koda. and even Naito at certain points. And then even Jay White. Jay White, Yeah. It he had a phenomenal Jay White had a phenomenal run through the entire thing, and we had still had Tanahashi win. Yeah, and we he was just kind of just over there winning. Yeah, you know it we was kind no of idea. a lesser bracket, so <laughs> we we're kind of like whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden he's in the finals and he's winning. Anyway, number yeah. four, <laughs> um, I have Nakamura drops the ball, meaning that you know everything we got he really with, just punched the ball. Yeah, he just punched Sorry. the ball. Everything we got with the after the nut shots and then them just dropping, you know, him as a character. Do you feel like it was Nakamura's fault or do you feel like it was no, their it, fault? Oh, it's WWE's fault completely. So, okay. Let me preface that. WWE, WWE. drops the ball. <laughs> and um <laughs> Yeah, Nakamura's whole run with the US title has just been abysmal. Uh Okay, I will him with Rusev say, was good. I say what I'm, I've got hope with what I'm seeing now, mm-hmm. um, but I agree 100%. They just kind of He just fucking appeared. For a couple months, yes. He absolutely did disappear. What happened to Nakamura? You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> that promo. Jesus. I was, like, was going to get the shirt. No speak English. <laughs> oh, God. It's just terrible. <laughs> um, Old racist WWE. <laughs> number three, the return of James Ellsworth. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everything he did to uh, fucking Asuka, the whole Carmelo run. God, I hated what they did to Asuka. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, she's no longer undefeated. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, no more. <laughs> she we don't doesn't care. matter anymore, right? And we just have Ellsworth running around. He, there was no need for him to be back. Mm-hmm. They got rid of him as soon as he came in. Yeah. You know, Pretty much. Just... Pretty much. Um, number two, Saudi money. Uh, you know, the whole Saudi Arabia event everything that went into crown that jewel. how it fucked up the schedule even as well and just like everything about crown jewel just was gross was gross and <laughs> made me hate wwe even further we and in fact we refused to cover it yes. and we didn't watch it so and i'm not going to talk too much about it now <laughs> um, <laughs> and number one for me of course is just nia Jax. oh <laughs> <laughs> really number yes. one okay uh I I was absolutely frustrated at that point because I was so dead set on what the match for 
Survivor Series was going to be. I was all hyped mm. up. Uh, we You're talking about Becky versus yeah. Ronda. Okay. We have that amazing moment for Becky, and then we find out because of Nia Jax's mistake, we can't get the match. I agree with you, but I do feel like it was a blessing in disguise. It was, but I'm talking about just in general just at the time. Moment. I yeah. was just so like, fuck. And the Nia way Jax she acted well. about it. Yes. And I know she was probably trying to be in character mm-hmm. and everything. I'm sure she apologized a million times in the back, but... Still doesn't mean she should be in the ring. And yes. it still feels like it was on purpose to me. So <laughs> there's that, and there's the facts, you know, with all the different injuries she's caused, yes. all the mistakes. We what was it just this week? We have um, what's most likely was Sasha Banks making a terrible call. But, um, <laughs> like, why would she think Nia Jax was gonna fucking sell uh, her Corona like off the apron? Like, where would she? Like, she's not fighting Bailey. So yes, I agree it was a horrible call, but Nia could have covered it a little yes. better, right? She just lays down. Yes, yes. She it could was... have rolled off or something. Yes, it was sloppy bullshit. Uh-huh. Yeah, it looked fucking lazy. And Sasha so... looked like she got more hurt by that than Nia yeah. in that whole yeah. moment. But Sasha does definitely put... She deserves some of the blame. Yes, I'm not I'm not <laughs> giving it all the But there's open. plenty more to, you know, complain about with Nia. Yes. <laughs> she definitely needs to go back. And, you know, to the performance center yes. and work on her craft a little more. So. Every single fucking week. Yes, absolutely. All right. All right. So for my top five worst moments of 2018, uh, number five is Kevin Owens. Everything that they did to Kevin Owens this year just fucking sucked. The entire angle, which seemed to be about four months long, uh, between him and Braun Strowman, where Strowman was mm-hmm. just bullying him, and Owens never got any kind of comeuppance. No. Um, just made no sense, and I felt like really hurt him as a character. Um, you know, this is another case of an injury being a blessing in disguise, because I feel like he can, you know, have some time off. They almost seem to turn him face um, in that match, but I think they knew he was injured at that point, and they wanted to turn mm-hmm. Lashley heel. Um so I don't really foresee him coming back as a face. Um, but I, I, just a shit fucking year. For Kevin the Owens. same guy that beat up Vince McMahon. Yes. You know, yes. Just... A year prior, you know, who was, you know, uh, headlining Hell in Cell with Shane McMahon and everything. Mm-hmm. Having big moments, you know, with Jericho. Um, I do not know what happened, who he pissed off backstage, but um, it felt like they were burying you know, you know, because a lot of times, like, oh no, well, even there was a match between him and Braun at a pay per view. I can't think of the event right now where, like, oh, you know, this is the perfect setup. Owens is totally going to win this fucking match, and then he gets destroyed yeah, he gets in like squashed. two minutes. Yeah. So I was like, we just watched two, like a month build up for this shit. So, um, God, I don't know, man. I, I, he should be coming back soon. I'm just hoping that, you know, he's won them over again mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, distance has made the heart grow fonder because he was carrying that show for the last couple of years. Um, number four for me, Carmella's run as champ. I felt like it destroyed all the momentum mm-hmm. that, you know, that women's division had at that moment. Um, we just got off one of the best matches of WrestleMania um, between Oscar and Charlotte, regardless of the outcome, um, it really stole the show. Mm. And then, for some reason, neither of those wrestlers could defeat Karma's sloppy yes. fucking bullshit twice. Yes, Carmella twice each was overbooked 
um, to say the least. Um, you know, I felt like she was okay on the mic, but I do not know what made them think that she could carry this ball, you know, and run with it. Um, you know, I felt like that whole program, you know, and the whole just, you know, angle of her being the champ just was a dismal failure. Um, and it really threatened to derail, you know, the whole women's division mm. over on SmackDown. And it's crazy to think that was just like four or five months ago. Um, and now to see where it's at right now, where, you know, that that's the most interesting thing going on mm. the WWE um, currently. Now, I did like Carmella in this last triple, so I thought she was it. Yes, yes. But this wasn't like the unbeatable Carmella. Yes. Because even in those matches, she was overbooked. Where she was getting way too much offense. As mm-hmm. the kind of heel that she was playing, it made no sense. It wasn't believable. She was a credible fighter. Y- you know, it just, <laughs> it's like, what is happening here? This goes against everything that we've known about the character mm. since she's been called up. So it just felt like McMahon had a thing for blondes. That's what it felt like. And she felt very much like Alexa Bliss. Like her character mm. and everything. Like the way she was cutting promos and everything was identical. I was like, this doesn't have to be the way you book female wrestlers. But at least Alexa was cheating. No, Alexa's ten times better than Carmella. It just felt like very much like a, you know, a grade C version Mm. of her character. Um, And it just felt like, oh, this is just how we book, you know, female heel wrestlers. You know, we just don't know what else to do. Um, You know, it was lazy, you know. And, you know, like I said, threatened to destroy that division. (laughs) Um, luckily, they saw the light and they walked away from it. And Carmella's been doing, you know, one minute dance breaks where the fuck she's doing now with our truth. So um, she, I'm hoping there'll be a turnaround and they'll use her better next year. I think she's doing fine with her one minute dance breaks, Christian. I I, I mean, like, I don't want to see her in the main event picture for at least a couple years. At least mid Carter. <laughs> fine, fine. She could be in the mid card. There's something she's in the mid card now. She's in the mid card. I like Carmella a little bit more than you do. I guess. I guess. <laughs> All right, continue on. Anyway, uh, so next up we've got Crown Jewel. Um, for everything you said, yes. Um, just gross. Um, not only did you know, and they just hearing the results afterwards. Not only was mm. it just horrible that they were going there and performing, but the fact that. <laughs> It sounded like the card was like the worst card ever. Yeah. Shane McMahon becoming the best of the world. Hulk Hogan, you know, coming out, you know, from his even Hulk Hogan coming out for to host the show. I I I don't know. It just felt weird and like McMahon saying "fuck you all." I don't Mm -hmm. care. Um, I don't know. It was just I I, man, I I don't understand what they were thinking. So, um, and it caught, but yeah. I agree it was definitely money. I did Christian, a money Yes, symbol. Christian did a lot of money. But I felt like it did turn off a lot of people, and I felt like it was one of the reasons why their ratings started to tank mm-hmm. the way they did. Um, next up is the NXT call-ups. All of them. Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out what NXT call-up this year has mm-hmm. really done anything, and the answer is really none of them. You know, I was like, oh, well, maybe the Riot Squad, but that was actually the year prior that they got called up. So they have dropped the ball on all of them, which mm-hmm. is amazing. I mean, the odds are at least one of them would take off. Um, 
so it terrifies me when you're like, oh, but Johnny Gargano, what, I don't want to see Johnny Gargano anywhere near the main roster. I don't want to see Ciampa anywhere near the main roster. Um, I just, I feel like NXT could just be its own brand and let it be, you know? <laughs> I'm fine with that. What are you not excited for Heavy Machinery to not to be on TV for a couple weeks? And... <laughs> they will push EC3. I guarantee that. Yes, that is you know McMahon will have a fucking giant heart on for that yeah. guy. Upper so. mid card and then oh yes, yes the world is his. You know he's got to really fuck things up for him not to get <laughs> over with McMahon at least. So, um, and last but not least, number one for me is Raw. All of it. <laughs> this has to be the worst year for that show. And I've been watching for a long time. But it has been... It, it's always had, you know, it's bad patches. Mm. Don't get me wrong. But consistently putting on fucking horseshit every fucking Monday night for all 365 days... It's just amazing. I mean, I I don't know. Like, it just really showed, like, that they just didn't care anymore about the product, you know? And they, I guess they didn't really have to because they're getting all these big contract deals and everything mm. like that. But they were just truly phoning it in. And I know they had some injuries and everything like that, but it was just shameful what Raw became. And um, you could say maybe that's going to be the catalyst for change now? Hopefully, but. hopefully, because that show was truly unwatchable. You know, I was basically doing it for the podcast. <laughs> it felt like a three-hour chore I had to do mm. every week. So, and God bless you for it. Oh, God. Because I was sure the fuck was Yes, no, it. you didn't. <laughs> but it was it was the shits. It mm. really was. So thanks and a lot, Betty <laughs> Mac. <laughs> hopefully, you know, 2019 will be a better year. For mm. Monday Night Raw, it feels like it's already starting to turn itself yes. around. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not afraid to admit that for WrestleMania season, I will be picking up the network again. Mm-hmm. I'll be watching from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, and then if they can't hold me after that, it's gone again. I totally understand. So I'm a glutton for punishment. So <laughs> <laughs> I get it. All right. All right, and because it's getting fucking late, uh, <laughs> we're going to do some predictions. Or we're going to do fucking lightning round. That's it's right. time to get home. I need to go to bed. <laughs> um, so starting off, uh, me, uh, Bailey's going to turn heel. That's my prediction for this year. All right. Uh, I've got All In will have a TV deal by Double or Nothing. So they will have their deal announced Absolutely. in May. Uh, my number four is the Four Horsemen going up against the Four Horsewomen. All right. I think um, they're going to do it this year. I can see that, definitely. Um, next, I have Jay White will be champ by the end of 2019. Definitely. Um, next, I have uh, the rise of the Balor Club. I think the response of AEW will create a need in <laughs> WWE to create a, a fan favorite team. I'm a fucking wrong with you, man. Literally have... Vince will form his version of the Bullet Club. <laughs> that is my next my next prediction. So I agree a hundred percent. Yes, uh, I guess that's right back to me. Then um, no more absent champion. I think again uh, with AEW and all the other shows, you know, getting another rise in um, in the wrestling world, um, we're gonna have the universal title actually forefronted on television weekly. Crazy, huh? <laughs> 
Um, my next prediction is huge WWE names will start to jump ship. Mm-hmm. Not only to AEW, but I could see New Japan getting yes. in the mix. All right, and then last but not least for me, Raw is Becky. Uh, I believe Becky will come over, become women's champion, and run the fucking show. Yes, I 100% see that happening. Uh, for me, is Nido will headline and win Wrestle Kingdom. Now that's a dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just wanted to see you smile, Christian. <laughs> it's totally not happening. But anyway, <laughs> it's going to be Tanahashi again. Go, Ace! <laughs> Now I'm going to have to edit it and go ace. Um, um, all right, man. Fuck. <laughs> well, it's been a hell of a year. Yep. Uh, in wrestling. Um, hopefully next year is a little better. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> it'll be hard for me to bitch. But like I said, tons of awesome matches. Yes. Just some shitty fucking booking. Mm-hmm. You know, on the WWE So, And when it really boils it all won. down to it, the G1 was fine, <laughs> except for the fucking winner of it. It was a great tournament, but anyway, when it really boils down to it, it's just, you know, great matches, shitty fucking booking, yep. you know, fucking WWE. And decisions, and choices. Oh, yes, yes, weird. A lot of weirdness happening. Best in the world. At the end of the tournament, he joins it. Uh, anyway, anyway, man. Right. <laughs> They're attacking now. Right, well, um, that's going to do it for this episode. Damn straight. Alright, so before we go, we want to go ahead and shout out some podcasts that we think you should be listening to. Um, First up is Out of Touch Nerds, a nerd podcast and community led by some out-of-touch nerds trying to spread nerd culture. Uh, Regardless of the nerd level, everyone is welcome. Um, Next up is Blood and Black Rum Podcast, is a weekly show talking everything from horror fair to classic films. Um, And they have one of my favorite podcast names. Next up is Small Town Mentality Podcast, hosted by Ben and Austin, and part of our network, the DCP Network. Uh, Comedy-based, no topic, no direction, random guests, see where we're going podcast. Um, It's all that and more, so give them a listen. Um, Next we have Collateral Cinema, a movie podcast focusing on good movies, bad movies, and everything else between. Uh, And last but not least, Ice and the Face. Ice in the Face is a weekly dystopian comedy podcast with Rick and Sarah. And they're free on iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. All right, if that's not enough for you, we have a network. We got plenty of shows. Uh, we even got a new one called Deaf and Deets Podcast. It's a hockey one. Definitely check them out. Uh, check out everyone right. else. What's our network's name? Oh, Drama City Productions, Damon. That's right, DCP. <laughs> uh, beyond that, you can find our show on every platform possible we even found a new one called laughable not too long ago uh they're on android not android they're on ios to sure yes i'm sure i'm positive (laughs) they they said they're working on getting on android so uh we'll be on there when they're there check them out um also if you are visiting us on any of those platforms please go ahead and subscribe rate and review um it's the lifeblood to the podcasting (laughs) community god damn it so Help us. Yes. Give us some support. Keep us a-going so we can make it to the next year and give you more reviews. That's right. Um, and then uh, what you're hearing right now is Them Guilty Aces. Yes. And what you heard at the top, our house band. Um, they're a great rockabilly band from Chicago. They're on iTunes. Um, they're also on YouTube. They've got some great videos up right now. Um, and they're currently touring around the Chicagoland area. 
So if yes. you're living around that area, go ahead and check them out. Yes, and we're also on multiple platforms for social media, like Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. We post different things on each one, so definitely check us out Christian there. Christian just did an epic trailer for our season two, so go ahead and uh, give it a watch. Um, and then if you have any questions or, you know, you want to, like, air any griefs, uh, go fuck yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll answer them. Yes. So um, reach out. So we'd love to hear from you guys. So. All right. I think that's going to do it for the show. That's it. Right. Uh, my name's Chris. And my name's Damon. To another year, Damon. That's right. Uh, next week, horror movie previews for 2019. Yeah, fuck yeah. This has been a Drama City production. <laughs>